0: You are listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5.
1: The Fan. The Indiana Pacers are trading to the Washington Wizards the draft rights to Bilal Kulabali, the seventh pick. And the Wizards are trading to the Pacers the draft rights to Jairus Walker, the eighth pick. You know, we think Walker's a really unique prospect because of his ability to handle, see the floor pass, make plays. He's one of these guys that's just one of those rare young big guys that really has great feel for the game. I'm excited, man. I'm excited. Like, we have some high-level talented dudes over there, like Mathurin, like, like you said, Turner, Halliburton.
0: Kevin, it was kind of a weird route to get there, but in the end, the Pacers ended up basically with the destination that was anticipated, right?
2: Yeah, you know, there's, I think, a little bit of that initial, like, wait, what's going on here? Uh, certainly, if you weren't following things on Twitter, which I know a large majority of our audience is not glued to that during the draft, but Jarris Walker with pick number eight, not pick number seven, he joins the Pacers and then a bunch of guards the rest of the way. Good Friday morning to you. Kevin Bowen, Jay Query, and Mark Dykton. Uh, Chad Buchanan, the GM of the Pacers, going to join us a little bit later in the show. We will certainly break down all the prospects and all the madness from last night. And if you are a fan of the Indiana Hoosiers or a fan of Trace Jackson Davis, did you have to make it till was it 1245? Did it reach one o'clock?
0: It was close.
2: The second to last pick of the night, the Golden State Warriors get back into round two to take Trace Jackson Davis at number 57 overall. Uh, you check out Trace's tweet right after the Pacers passed on him at number 47. I did
0: not actually see his tweet.
2: He didn't seem to be too pleased with his fall. You all will regret it, I promise you. Uh, Pacers passed on him, I guess you could say, three realistic times, 26, 47, and 55. Uh, But he goes to Golden State, and honestly, even if you just want to separate, like he goes to the best franchise in the NBA over the last 10 years, there's probably not a better roster makeup for a guy like Trace Jackson Davis in the entire NBA than there. At that point of the draft, Jake, there's probably some of you that's like, hey, just go undrafted and pick your spot. If he had to pick a spot, I think Golden State would have been pretty high on the list, if not at the top of the list.
0: By the way, I'm curious of this. I'm sure it means something that I'm missing out on, and I have no idea. What number was Trace Jackson Davis at Indiana?
2: Uh, 23, right?
0: Yeah. Have you looked at his Twitter profile picture? I have not, no. Maybe he wore this jersey in a game. Did, did they wear them... Now that I'm thinking about it, was there some game where they all wore that? In his Twitter profile picture, he's wearing jersey number four.
2: Oh, uh, did he wear that early in his career? Did he? For some reason, four feels
0: like he did wear that at some point. Uh, but nonetheless, interesting because Golden State was one that we talked about, Kevin. You know, with Draymond Green and, and you know the, the future uncertain for Draymond Green. What did we say that we thought Trace Jackson Davis could be a Draymond Green kind of player, right? And then all of a sudden Golden State goes and 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 gets him.
2: They don't have a player on the roster over 6'9". Like again, even if you just separate he's going to the Warriors. I mean, like everyone gets that. Oh my gosh, Trace going to the Warriors, that's great. But again, from a roster standpoint, Mike Dunleavy said it last night. Mike Dunleavy's their new GM. He's like Trace is going to have a good chance to be on our 15-man roster. You know, when you talk about the Pacers' second-round picks, we just talk about them as two-way guys. right? Trace, that doesn't appear to be the case. So, again, a lot of weight. Obviously, he's disappointed. But if you were going to talk about the best team for his fit to kind of quote-unquote go for, Golden State doesn't have a lot of bigs at all. And Jermichael Green's really old. He's one of them. So...
0: Um, yeah, I guess the easiest way to say it would be because you get you start getting into a point where you're like, man, you might be better off at this point not being drafted and being able to sure. pick where you go. This would have been one of the best options that he would have looked into, right? Without question. Uh, Jalen hood Shafino,
2: number 17 to the Lakers. Um, so just outside of the lottery for him. Jake, overall, thoughts on uh, what the Pacers did?
0: Um, let, let's begin with this. Because I know a lot of people probably asked it, as initially, I mean, your your first reaction is like, what? But it makes sense when you really break it down. I think what we saw was the Pacers were sitting at seven, and you had Washington at eight. On the clock was a guy that Washington really wanted, and... Either the Pacers knew that that's who Washington really wanted or Washington inquired to the Pacers that that's who they really wanted mm-hmm. to, to see if, you know, we're talking about the pay, the, the guy that the Pacers technically drafted. and Bilal Kulibi? Yeah, right? I, he was Web of like, teammate in mm-hmm. France, right? And so whether real or fictional, all account is that it was San Antonio. But at some point, Indiana said to Washington, hey, listen, just so you know, like we're sitting here at seven and your guy's there, but we're getting phone calls from people that want him. So if, if, if you want to secure that that this is your guy, what are you willing to give us? And Washington said, we'll give you two fu- future second rounders to, to draft him, and then we'll take your guy at eight and we'll just flop him. Now, there is part of me that's like, why wouldn't you just trade the picks right then? and let Washington make the selection. But I think they're probably, you have to turn in the paperwork and et cetera. I, you know, I don't know what, you're talking about a condensed amount of time. So, the Pacers draft the player for Washington with the knowledge that Washington will then take Walker for Indiana, right the next pick back. And that way, Indiana, for doing Washington that solid of protecting their guy for them, gets two second round picks of the future. Now, and they pay Walker a little bit less money than they would have at 7. That's the big one. So you say to yourself, "Well, why would you if you're the Pacers, why why do them that solid? What do you care?" And that's the answer is you now because the NBA salaries are set up based on pick. You now are paying like $510,000 less per year to Walker than you would have if you took him at 7. So if you're Walker, you're probably like, well, I got completely <laughs> yeah, job there, right? Like, Come on now. Yeah.
2: You know, he was a guy that obviously I think we all probably would have pegged as the favorite coming into the night. I mean, you, you just need a presence. You need an attitude on the defensive end of the floor. And last year, the Pacers averaged a franchise best, NBA franchise best, 116 points per game. Offense, no issue for the Pacers last season. And they lost 47 games. They weren't really sniffing a playoff spot. They had to get better on that end of the floor. Um, there, I think there's a lot of things to like about Walker. So much of it is on that defensive end. I mean, Jake, you don't see a lot of five stars that are like, yeah, I'll go play for Kelvin Sampson. I mean, that, that That's that's not a coach that's going to let you skate by. Right. And I think that sort of defensive mindset, the intensity that Houston plays with, um, obviously in Walker, You know, so many people want to comp him to somebody. I know his body type is not this guy. But Jake, I think he's got like some Thad Young ability to him of a defensive, versatile piece that the question is, okay, how much can he give you offensively? Particularly, how much can he give you shooting the basketball? 34% from three. That's not horrific, but you would like that number to rise a little bit. And Rick Carlisle said it last night. Really feels like offensively, he's got a nice feel, whether that is as a cutter, as a passer, things like that. And, you know, Tyrese Halliburton tends to get a little bit more out of those guys. So, I was totally, totally fine with Walker as the pick there. I'm good with shooting uh, with Ben Shepard, the later first-round pick out of Belmont. Um, had some big-time games, 33, 35, 41 points at Belmont over the last two years. You know, again, Buddy Heald's in a contract year. Buddy Heald is north of 30. Um, you can never have enough shooting. If I'm on a nitpick... It just seemed like they drafted a bunch of two guards the rest of the way. And, and I, you know, again, guards and shooting, it's fine to, I guess, bet on a little bit. I know there's some questions about Mojave King, their 47th pick in his shooting. I would have liked to have seen a few more kind of threes and fours because I feel like the roster could use that. But defensive focus, you got the future first-round pick, a little bit of shooting, I'm good at the night.
0: You know, the I know a lot of people and understandably so, like, how in the world do the Pacers pass on Trace Jackson Davis? Hell, if I'm Trace, I wouldn't want to come here. Correct. That's what I was going to say. That, that might, They might have done it a solid there, right? Because they, they kind of have a log jam. They do need – I will say, though, they do need probably one more power forward. But I just – I, I don't know that he would have been a fit here. And the pressure just would have been tough, I think. How many I mean,
2: times did we sit here last year, Jake, after games and be like, man, they couldn't get Isaiah Jackson a few more minutes? They couldn't get Jalen Smith a yeah. few more minutes? Well, now you have Jairus Walker, and you have lost nobody in the front court. Nobody's a free agent. I, I guess O'Shea Brissett maybe would qualify um, in that front court. But yeah, if I'm Trace Jackson Davis, I mean, Golden State to me is an ideal fit from a roster standpoint. Um, Again, a little bit more on Ben Shepherd out of Belmont. Played there for four years. This is who they took at number twenty six overall. Six 37 percent career shooter from three, shot at forty one percent last year. You know, something that I think that you that I was a little bit intrigued by with Shepherd is when you think like at least my stereotype, and I apologize if this is the wrong stereotype, when I think of mid major shooters, Jake, I'm like, oh, that dude probably can't guard anybody. Right, he was all first team Missouri Valley defensively, so I don't think he's like an just a, obviously he's not like a liability on that end of the floor. Um, when I saw this pick, and honestly, a little bit of the Jerris Walker pick, I almost look at it and think, "Boy, is this the end for that 2021 draft of Chris Duarte and Isaiah Jackson in round one?"
0: The um, I'm about to sneeze here. Hang no, on. all you. This happens every morning, you know. Uh, the one thing about coming out of the Missouri Valley and being an all-defensive league player, I've always felt like Kevin, the MoVal is a really well-coached league. Like, if you're coming out of the Missouri Valley where you've been efficient, you probably are a pretty smart player because you're going against like really good defensive sets, I think. And Belmont's known for that, really. Night in and night out, yeah. But... Um, I had to, to chuckle. JMV caught it too and, and tweeted it out when they were talking about him and they said, He's a dead-eye shooter when left unguarded. <laughs> I'm like, Yeah, because that happens a lot in the NBA. So is right? JMV, right? Yeah, exactly.
2: Uh, he threw out his own player, Comp's Ben Shepard. He uh, used Caleb Martin, who obviously was off with Miami, Quentin Grimes for the Knicks, and then another guy in the final, Contavious uh, Caldwell Pope. And, and I think just getting a shooter for that second unit, you know, you have TJ McConnell, of course, you have Andrew Nemhard, you have Aaron Neesmith. Um, Nemhard and Nismith can certainly hit perimeter shots, but I think now you throw him in there with Jordan Wara, that's a little bit more shooting. And I just think Halliburton, the more shooters you put around Halliburton, the better. I mean,
0: he's just going to find guys with open shots. Jordan Wara, that's a funny mention because you kind of forget about him. And when they got him last year for... I can't even remember what they gave up for him, but he... He was like instant offense, right?
2: And shooting, you know, from the the perimeter there. Uh, Does Mojave King qualify as one of the cooler Pacer names?
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool, right? I mean... New Zealand. That means he's a Kiwi, right? Yeah, he sounds like Jason Day when you hear him talk. The one thing that I noticed... A couple of observations from the draft, Kevin. Um, First off... And I don't. I, I I wondered if I was the only one that noticed this. But we were well into the draft. First off, to to me, I I think that there is a like almost a bias. I think people look at the NBA draft even more so than the NFL draft. People look at the NBA draft and they go. These guys are 19 years old because they're drafting a lot of players right out of college one year, or or the, the the gap year for the G League. So a lot of these guys are 19, 20 years old. And there's a natural societal resentment about that to a lot of people. I can't believe this guy's 19 and they're paying him all this money, they're making millions of dollars, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And... I, I think that there's for a while there, there was the the concern of like maturity issues of like this kid's too young. There? What's that? It's not yeah. like you're blowing up earlier. Yeah, good? I need to I need to put my phone on silent. Um, I think there's there's naturally like this resentment of like these guys are too young to be getting all this money, and yet what we are now seeing is players that have been in the spotlight for a while. And just kind of know how to handle it. And so my long winded point here is we were like seven or eight draft picks in and in the interviews I thought to myself, these are all really polite, nice kids. I I, I say kids, I know they're young men. But I, I just thought every one of these players seems very like like Shanna made the point, she's like, Well, he seems nice, he seems humble. Like, he is so happy to be there. I mean, instead of guys coming in like that had kind of this, and and I'm sure they're all very confident and sure of themselves. My point being, I thought it was kind of a feel-good draft. I mean, you had very nice parents that were up there, like happy for their kids. You had players that were all really respectful of the interview. I don't know why they didn't have two microphones for both or three for the little panel because they had to like pass the mic back and forth. It was very awkward. There were a lot of weird, awkward, pregnant parties pauses last night The 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 panel itself with jay billis and jj reddick like they nobody the kind of really knew. struggled yeah they didn't know like when to talk and and yeah. it just was that part was odd more reddick please less of the others up there yeah billis a couple of times looked like he either wasn't paying attention or was about to fall asleep
2: and at times don't so we have two different telecasts right there's an abc
0: telecast i think that's right I watched the ESPN Yeah, I, I
2: watched the ESPN. At times, I wanted to say, like, this should be the ABC telecast. I'm all for interviewing the parents, but isn't that more of the ABC feel when you're trying to get, like, the casual fan? Isn't that, ESPN that's a little a, bit more for
0: the nitty, nitty-gritty yeah, stuff? Yeah, that's, that's a real
2: good point. Like, a little bit more for the analysis? And again, I think Redick is crazy talented on air. I think he's really, really good. And at times they just like forgot about him, or in my opinion, didn't utilize him enough. The other thing, and I feel like this is an annual one, and, and Mark, you certainly brought up as soon as we walked in the studio. From an NBA rule standpoint, can we just all get on the same page with these trades and not confuse the hell out of the well, audience? That's, why? that's the thing. Maddie why was so confused when I'm like, she's like, oh, this is the guy that we're, that we're drafting? You know, talking about the French guy. And I'm like, no, actually not, you know. And she's like, why aren't they saying anything? On ESPN about this trade. And then sure enough, five minutes later, you know, here comes Bobby Marks or here comes Woj. It's so confusing for the audience, especially when ninety-five percent of the audience isn't locked to Twitter. Like by I'm.
0: the way, how about Woj at one point? And I I like Adrian Wojnarowski, but how about at one point when they caught him off
3: guard and he's like, sorry, I'm texting with a GM right now? <laughs> sure you are. Well, like, why can't it be like the NFL draft where like oh, the Houston Texans have just traded up to two. Here's the details. And then we go. like. Instead, if you're not following on Twitter, you're like, okay, the Pacers drafted this guy who's from France, but now we're... I
0: I, want to know this. Does the player... Okay, let me ask you guys this. Jairus Walker said he did not initially
2: know that the trade was happening. He thought he was a wizard there for a a period of time.
3: So does he keep the wizard's hat? Would Uh, you keep the hat? Well, you give it to your best high school friend. Yeah, why not? It's a collector's item. Like the picture, does Kawhi
2: Leonard still
0: have his Pacers hat? I was going to say, the picture of Kawhi Leonard in a Pacers hat, does he still have the Pacer hat?
2: Kawhi strikes me as he has zero sports gear in his house.
0: Totally agree with that, yeah. And
2: the reason for that, Mark, is the NBA's league year. So in the NFL, free agency is mid March, the draft is late April. So technically, you're in the next year. For the NBA, their new league year doesn't begin until a week from today, free agency. So that's why you don't see these trades finalized. It's way too confusing. Just figure it out. Just move the draft, then move it. Like whatever you have to do, because it is. ESPN would have that little, you know, graphic in the bottom left corner of proposed trade. Unless you were looking for it, right? That's not the thing that you initially thought. So I thought the overall coverage was really poor. Uh, The fourth and final pick for the Pacers last night at number fifty-five, which occurred at about twelve thirty. Uh, this was the IU killer, right,
0: Isaiah Wong? That's what um, somebody just texted me when you heard my phone blown up.
2: 27 for Isaiah Wong in the tournament for Miami, the ACC Player of the Year. Big-time score. I think like his positional fit in the NBA is a question. He's like a 6'3", kind of score. It's not a point guard. It's not some 6'6", 6'7", wing. Um he strikes as a dude that will have some big nights for the Mad Ants and potentially be a ninth man one day.
0: Uh, hey, Jake, it's not so much that IU fans are upset the Pacers passed on Trace Jackson Davis, but they took the guy that knocked IU out of the tourney. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Didn't someone tweet at us last night? They're like, oh, yeah. At Pacers, don't pick Trace Jackson Davis when they could have. Instead, they pick a guy that killed us in the tournament. Really in touch with their fan base here. Oh, yeah. I mean, that... Because Kevin Pritchard's job is to pick a bunch of IUBB players.
0: Yeah, I mean... (laughs) I mean, come on. I thought that was wild. (laughs) And and let's not forget, okay? I was livid. Livid. Matter of fact, I'll tell you in in 30 seconds, because we're probably up against it, a quick story. So couple of years ago the family that lives across the street from shannon moved they've lived there for 40 years right they moved shannon happens to live two doors down from her parents it's kind of hard to explain Three but doors all
2: down's got some decent songs
0: that's right yeah um well you know superman lives there so At any rate, when the neighbors across the street were moving, Shannon went over there to like take cookies or whatever. Like, oh, you know, we're sorry to see you go. You've been great neighbors. And the neighbor says, you know, I can tell you this now. But I didn't want to tell you then. And she said, okay. And he said, in 1987, when your father, because her father at the time was the general manager of the Pacers. And the neighbor said, in 1987, when your father drafted Reggie Miller, The Indiana State Police actually had a temporary post at our house for like three days because they had received so many what they considered to be credible threats to your father because he didn't draft Steve Alford.
2: Dear Lord.
0: And he drafted Reggie Miller. So the state police actually, they're like, so that was like the excitement of our living here is we had the state police hunkered down in our garage for like three days to to watch your parents' house, but they didn't want your dad to know to worry him. So That's a bit frightening that is a true story so my point being that at that time and I remember calling I was in the eighth grade and WIBC had Reggie Miller on and I called and said I wanted Steve Alford and I I represent a lot of people what do you think about that and he said well I hopefully you'll like my game too and at that time, Reggie Miller was nothing more than a trash-talking shooting guard that had beaten Indiana in the NIT. And people were like, "I can't believe!" Not only did they not take Steve Alford, they took the guy that knocked Steve Alford's team out of the NIT when he was a so, you know when he was a sophomore. It, it worked out okay. Their job is to make the Indiana Pacers the best team they can be.
2: And again, I think the fit for Trace Jackson Davis is ideal. I, I, totally. Like where, if I'm Trace Jackson
0: Davis, I am elated.
2: Yeah, where he ended up. Um, Grady Dick, more Elton John, or more figure skater? Uh, Let me tell you. Or if a figure skater and Elton John had a kid, maybe that's what Grady Dick was wearing. I have have thoughts on that. Because you're a fashion police.
0: That looked like something he might have got out of Paul George or Tyrese Halliburton's closet. I have thoughts on that, Kevin, that we'll get to in like 15 minutes, and people are going to think I'm the old guy, which I am maybe, but... I'm curious if my thoughts are off base.
2: Chad Buchanan going to join us. Is that 940 for Chad Buchanan? In that vicinity. Okay, 940 for the Pacers GM coming up a little bit later today. We'll play some audio from Rick Carlisle last night. His comments on Jairus Walker and Ben Shepard in particular. For those that are just now waking up, the Pacers made four selections last night. Jairus Walker out of Houston at number 8. That is a forward. Ben Shepard, a guard from Belmont at 26 overall. And then the second round, a couple of guards again 47 overall was Mojave King from New Zealand played for the G League Ignite last year And then at 55, Isaiah Wong, that is the Miami ACC Player of the Year, who again had 27 points against Indiana in their tournament win. Those were the four selections for the Pacers. Uh, From an Indiana, the state of Indiana standpoint, the connections that were drafted, Jalen Hood-Chefino, 17 to the Lakers. And with the second-to-last pick of the night, the Golden State Warriors got back into the second round to take Trace jackson
0: davis mojave king by the way if they that guy rules in the desert if they play in a desert that he he is lights out
2: home and home with the sahara knights is that what you're saying <laughs> coming up next for the pacers that's right uh, he's jake quarry i'm kevin Bowen. mark dyckton with us of course good friday morning to you hope you guys have had a great week thanks for finishing up with us you're listening to kevin quarry right here on 93.5 107.5 the
0: fan Obviously, the NBA draft was the straw mix in the drink in the world of sports last night, but let's begin with Major League Baseball. A couple of scores to note. The Braves over the Phillies, 5-1. Braves and Reds series at Great America this weekend. Let's go. Sold out. Let's Another go. Sold out. Uh, Diamondbacks over the Nationals, 5-3 in the race for PBR. The Athletics short in against the Guardians, mm. 6-1. Padres blank the Giants, 10-0. Royals over the Rays, 6-5. Marlins over the Pirates, 6-4. Mariners over the Yanks, ten two. about
2: that uh, College World Series game last night? I was flipping back and forth in the bottom of the 11th. Is there a better name in baseball than Tommy Tanks? <laughs> Tommy <laughs> Tanks from LSU, he looks like a tank. Walk-off home run. Breaks a 0-0 game in the 11th there. It'll be LSU and Florida for the national title. It's a three-game series beginning tomorrow. And the Fever won last night in Seattle, but on NBA draft front, the first pick last night for the Pacers was indeed Jairus Walker. How about those that bet Jairus Walker number seven to the oh, Pacers man. not cashing that bet? Well,
3: even our station sent out like picks that the Pacers will take with the seventh, and I think myself, JMV, and I, I, I somebody else had Jairus Walker. I'm like, did everybody lose? Did no one get it then? Because technically, the gamblers are not cashing that one. Yeah.
2: Number eight was Jairus Walker in a trade back with Washington. Here was Rick Kyle. Rick Carlisle last night on the Houston
0: Forward.
1: You know, in a league where defensive versatility, the ability to switch and contain is so important, you know, we believe he can do that. And then, you know, offensively, he just there's a chance here that that he could really evolve into a, a special kind of four man in this league a guy that can rebound it and take it coast to coast and make plays and finish at the rim and, you know, do all that stuff. So I think when our fans start to watch him, they'll see the possibilities. Now, the Pacers weren't done in round number
0: one. They had a second pick, of course, the 26th overall. They elected for Ben Shepherd, who, not a huge name, admittedly, native of Atlanta, played at Belmont, while at Belmont played in 124 games over the course of his career, 12-point per game score, averaged nearly 19 a game as a senior, but shot 41% from three-point range. And one of those guys that really used the post-graduation process, if you will, to put himself even further on the NBA radar. Isn't that right, Carlisle?
1: He played great on both ends. He's got a high skill level. You know, he's had a, he's had a pretty consistent rise in the draft, starting with the Combine where he played extremely well. So, you know, he's a six five wing player. You know, he just moves, he shoots it, passes it, dribbles it, defends, goes hard.
0: I guess that's what you'd like, right? The fact that he seemingly has a quick release shot From the outside is what appears to have intrigued the Pacers about Ben Shepard.
2: Yeah, and then in the second round, two other guards. Mojave King from New Zealand played for the G League Ignite. That screams kind of two-way contract for me, and probably the other guy too. Isaiah Wong from Miami. I think Wong is actually a name. Some college basketball fans will remember he was the ACC Player of the Year at Miami. A little bit of a smaller guard. uh, Had a big game against Indiana in the tournament, and then speaking of Indiana, for those that missed it last night, Jalen hood Shafino, 17 to the Lakers, and with the second to last pick of the night, Trace Jackson Davis to the Warriors, as we've mentioned several times already this morning, to me that is a great, great fit, considering you look at the roster of the Warriors, big guys are not on that roster, and Mike Dunleavy said it last night, their GM, Trace has got a great chance to be on that 15-man roster, given the makeup of of what they have, we will break all of that down. And you uh, have got some Grady Dick thoughts, Jake.
0: I do. That that sounds really weird when you say it that way. But some auxiliary oh, commentary we have about some the draft. Maturity to the situation. <laughs> What's that? Can you have some maturity about the situation? I'll just explain all of it next. How's that? Well, do that on the other side, Kevin Aquary,
2: ninety three five one oh seven five hundred seven-five. The fan.
1: These are the kinds of uh, guys that we want to we want to build this roster and this organization with so you know we're really thrilled with the first round
0: again I thought that's Rick Carlisle talking about obviously uh, Jairus Walker and Ben Shepard among others that the Pacers acquired last night I thought Kevin that it just was really impressive you know I mean there were there were a lot of players that were drafted last night that you could tell that they've been in the spotlight for a while because they seemed ready for and polished for the moment. If I had to nitpick, I would say this, and, and I have by nature I nitpick. So, so let me run you guys something here, and, and people tell me if I'm out of my mind, which is entirely possible. The I, I get it. It's your night. It's your moment. you you want to make a statement, you're getting drafted. It's it's kind of your branding opportunity, if you will. And probably Grady Dick, because he's a kid that I think he's from Wichita. You know, maybe he's like tried any a year ago, not many people knew who he was. I mean he was a high school basketball star obviously, but maybe he felt like, you know, hey, I'm I haven't been able to really flash my statement, so this is going to be my night. The The jacket that Grady Dick was wearing, which everyone and their brother made fun of. And at first I thought to myself, I'm going to join this fray also. Somebody sent me a thing and said, is he a figure skater in his free time? I thought that was pretty funny. Um, Somebody else said he looked like he was in a show choir, Elton John comparisons. He was wearing, for those that didn't see it, a kind of almost like a double-breasted red sequin jacket. His explanation, which is kind of cool... Was look, I'm from Kansas, and so I wore a jacket that paid tribute to Dorothy's red slippers. Uh, okay, hell of a tribute. It was that, but you know, he also had on the sunglasses. He he didn't get a haircut, which is weird. Like his hair looks like mine did when I was 12. Um, but when I was 19, Kevin, I was a disaster. My see, my my at University of Kansas, for that matter, my freshman ID photo, I'm wearing my hat backwards, my head's cocked back. I mean, I was, and I got to thinking about it and I thought, I can't imagine when I was 19 years old, if I was going to be in that spotlight about to get that kind of money, the stuff that I thought was cool at 19, it's why I don't have a tattoo. I don't have a tattoo because I can't think of anything that I would have thought was cool between the ages of 19 and 25 that would still be cool to me today, you know? Having said all of that, and I don't think it was the case, although there were a couple of teams, where did Grady Dick end up going, like 12 or 13? Yeah, yeah,
2: the NBA shipped him north of the border. They said, we can't have you in the States anymore. You're going to the Raptors.
0: So there was a lot of talk that he was a guy that was going to be like in the 8 to 11 range. He went 13, which is probably about where he was. But, but here's my question, and I'm going to sound, I know I'm going to sound crazy when I say it, and I guess we have the tangible evidence in front of me. The answer is no. But if you were sitting there and you're a general manager and you had been going back and forth and you're like, I really don't know whether or not it's Derek Lively or Grady Dick that I want to take or Cason Wallace or Grady Dick or whatever it might be. When you see him showing up wearing the big sunglasses indoors and that outfit in any way, shape or form, is it a tiebreaker to you where you go, this looks like a guy that, that just has a Johnny Manziel vibe about him? In any way, shape, or form, in the back of your mind, does that come into play?
2: Uh, I I would hope not. I think that's a bit outrageous. I think you could probably point to some other wardrobes in the NBA draft that people maybe turn their head at. Um, Yeah, I can't imagine Kevin Pritchard sitting there watching the draft thinking, let's change our board because what the guy's
0: wearing tonight. I'm not saying change the board, but does it, but, but Kevin, they analyze and scrutinize every single thing about these players. Like,
2: have you seen what Tyrese Halliburton has warned NBA games? I mean, it's some pretty, pretty, good point. pretty wild stuff. Yeah, I, I'm not in the... Um, let's all of a sudden start evaluating wardrobe for prospects. I actually think Toronto makes some sense. They got a bunch of 6'8 interchangeable dudes. It seems like they could use a shooter to kind of compliment Scotty Barnes. We'll see what they do with Ananobi, Siakam, all of that.
0: People are going to take this, by the way, and, as me being like ridiculous. Uh, what I'm saying is, I'm not saying that it legitimately hurt him. I'm saying I am curious if it's not in the back of the mind, the for a guy to to be that like look at me moment because again not not the jacket per se but the vibe in which he went about it with the sunglasses and he was kind of walking around like he was on a fashion runway maybe he's having fun with it but i just i i i get it it was kind of a fun jacket based on the fact he's from kansas he's the guy that i thought that i mean when they asked us yesterday who we thought indiana was going to take i said grady dick as I explained yesterday, partially because everybody else here said Jarris Walker, and I'm like, okay, I'll go a little outside the box. I like him as a player. I do. I just was curious if, if, quite frankly, and I'll simply say this and then we'll move along. I, There are players that if they wore the exact same outfit and presented themselves in the exact same fashion, but came from a different background, would have been absolutely, he got mocked for it for sure, but the character would be questioned a lot more for other players in my opinion.
2: Uh, I think Jairus Walker press conference this afternoon here in Indy, hopefully JMV will have him on to round the day out. Um, You know something that I think will stand out about Walker when you look at him, you think, "Oh my gosh, that's like an NFL body!" Like, you know, how is that? Honestly, the player, and I know he's not a big name just yet, but for those that have watched the Detroit Pistons, his body type reminds me a little bit of Isaiah Stewart for the Pistons, and Stewart got into a fight in some game this year. So I don't know, maybe the common fan knows him a little bit more. Uh, But when you when you look at him, I think you just think, "Wow, that is like a really like." Big, you know, obviously physically developed dude. But there's a lot of versatility to his game. Um, he pointed out last night, you know how much his wingspan helps out. I mean, I think he'd measure like six, 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 seven, but the wingspan's seven two. and he's got a little bit uh, more, I think, just kind of quickness to him to be able to guard multiple spots. Rick Carlisle, I thought, had a great quote last night about it of, you know, that defensive rebounding box is of no worry. The question is, and we think he can get a little bit more there, we think he's got a little bit more offensively than Houston asked him to do, or that he showcased in his one year at Houston. You know, I think we watched a decent amount of Houston last year. They had two really good guards. Marcus Sasser got drafted last night. They're not a team that scores a ton of points. They didn't shoot the three particularly well as a team, so just in general... Um, They didn't need Walker to do a whole lot on the offensive end of the floor. I think the Pacers are saying, you know, we'll space it a little bit more. Halliburton is obviously a great, great distributor. And if Walker can turn up that three-point shot from like 34%, which is not a horrific number, to 38, 39 then all of a sudden I think you've got a really, really critical piece to this rebuild. I still think even if the jump shot doesn't reach that level, I mean, what was Thaddeus Young, career th- three-point shooter? Just north of 30?
0: I was going to say 32,
2: 33. Yeah, yeah, you know, so and he's had a very fine, fine career. So... um the most important thing, of course, is versatility and rebounding. And if you look at him in the tournament, it was double-digit rebound games. It was a handful of blocks in those moments against Auburn, against Miami as well. And for a team that ranked in the basement of the NBA in those two areas last year and have for the last few years, this is the type of skill set you need to try and continue to complement what you have.
0: You know, the 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 thing that really stuck out at me about Walker as well, how old is he, Kevin? I think nineteen. I, tell me that guy doesn't look thirty years old. Oh, grown man. Yeah, grown man. I, I mean, he looks like a guy. Like this is a this is a really like. Yeah, he turns twenty in September. This is a big time deep cut. Okay, so my apologies on this. Do you know who John Amos is? Sure. John Amos is an actor who was most famous for playing the father on Good Times james on good times like jairus walker looks like if the pacers were a movie john amos would play him and john amos when he was playing the stern badass dad on good times was like 40. jairus walker just looks like to your point that is a grown man that is not a 19 year old kid you want him getting off the bus first (laughs) undoubtedly you want him getting off the bus first. But you need a guy like that, right? Kind yeah, of an enforcer and, type, right? And sure. And
2: like just kind of getting away from his look. He, he plays, I think, in the style that you would want. Um, enjoy listening to him last night. He talked about his three older sisters, kind of keeping him in line. He actually went to IMG where Zach Eady went down in Florida. Um, so I think those are some of the pros that you like. Obviously, cons would be, again, can the jump shot be consistent enough? And then, you know, I think some people are curious, like, Does he guard wings? You know, is he the definite, you know, guarder of of those guys, or is he guarding a little bit more of kind of the the powerful? I assume you know when you play Giannis that that's going to be the assignment now, which is I think has been such a question for this franchise. Um, Jake Pacers that watched last night's draft and walked away thinking, oh boy, that was not a good night for me. Say that again. Pacers players that watched last night's draft and thought, okay,
0: I didn't like that. That's a that's a really good question. I I would think actually, if you are Jalen Smith or Isaiah Jackson, you're probably a little bit relieved, right? Because they didn't really address like the the outside of Walker, you know, like the five area per se. Probably Duarte. I mean, yeah. I mean, but Duarte felt that way going in, right?
2: I'd almost be surprised if Duarte's here come July fifth. I think that's fair. You know, there's a bit of a logjam of minutes. Again, maybe it's nitpicking a little bit. I thought the Pacers got a little bit like guard heavy in the draft. I would have liked another kind of three or four um, because I think there's actually some room there for somebody to potentially make an impact. Uh, But the Ben Shepherd pick, again, shot it at a really high level at Belmont, and you know mentioned this a little bit earlier. You know when you think of great shooters, especially at the mid-major level, I tend to think they aren't very good defensively, and he wasn't all first team missouri valley guy on that end of the floor Um, and you can never have enough shooting and with buddy healed he is in a contract year and i don't think you can just
0: totally totally ignore that by the way can we now i'm going to say this and then watch it'll happen tomorrow can can we finally put to rest the buddy healed and miles turner are on their way to la for the lakers talk I mean, literally every single time the NBA gets together for a meeting, it's like. By the way, the LA Lakers are in pursuit of Buddy Hield, and Miles Turner. I, wouldn't it have happened by now?
2: What do you think about next week when the fr- when free agency begins? I mean,
0: you're right. <laughs> no, I. I L- like I said, it'll watch. It'll probably happen now, right? Since yeah, I said I am
2: it. curious. Like, did last night kind of end? The big offseason swings, potentially, for the Pacers? Exactly. I mean, it, it feels that way, does it not? I mean, you still have two first-round picks next year, so you, you, you can move that. Obviously, you have some young guys on your roster that if you wanted to, you could move, to your point, Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, I think would be attractive for a variety of reasons to other teams. But it does seem like if they were going to make the big Ananobi, DeAndre Hunter-type splash, you would have seen it last night with the seventh pick.
0: Kevin, I love... I love where they are right now. I love it. Because you have... We don't know if Jarris Walker can play. We don't know that. But if he can... I feel pretty good he can help you out in the areas of weakness. Yeah, he's 19. Tyrese Halliburton is what, 22? I, ben Matherin's 21. Isaiah Jackson's like 20 or 21. Jalen Smith is, uh, I mean, the number of players they have under the age of like 24. Yeah, I threw Nemhard in there before. Nemhard? Jackson Smith. Yeah, I mean, Nemhard, of course. Uh, Aaron Neesmith, mm-hmm. right? And then you have the opportunity for two more of them next year, if you so choose. I love where the Pacers are. Yeah, I think they're in a great, great spot. Because there's also, and, and I give Kevin Pritchard. Chad Buchanan, Rick Carlisle, a ton of credit here. A ton. They sat here almost exactly a year ago and said, listen, it's going to be rough sledding here. We need you to be on board with it. We need you to understand where we're coming from. We need you to be patient with us. And and then they saw, like, wait a minute, these guys actually played pretty well together, and we might be ahead of schedule. And instead of... And so then they said, "You know what? We have something here. Let's let's build on this and let's go." And the period of ambiguity and uncertainty for the Pacers was not very long before all of a sudden the the do you remember in the mid-90s there was a there was a bit of a craze like at kiosks in the mall for a short while of the artware there was a whole Seinfeld episode about it. I know I'm dating references here, but the the, the artwork that, that you'd have to sit there and stare at for like five minutes and then all of a sudden it would come into view and it would be like a three-dimensional image. I don't know if you guys remember what I'm talking about, but they were all the yeah. craze for a while there. You'd buy like them in the 90s. mall and say, go Colts or whatever, but you, know, you couldn't see it at first and then once your eyes saw it, you couldn't unsee it. That's what the Pacers in the last year have looked like. At first, they basically said to everybody, "Like, look, we have this like uncertain piece of artwork that we're just going to stare at and kind of see how it comes into form. And then, boom, it popped into view, and you could see the vision very clearly. Halliburton's the guy you're building around. Matherin is the guy that's going to be his running mate. That's his Robin, et cetera, et cetera. And it's there now. You can see it. Yeah, the puzzle pieces are starting to be pretty crystal clear.
3: Totally, totally agree. Magic Eye, is that what you're talking about? Is that what it was called? Where you, like pulled your eyes.
0: Yeah, away. it was like an eight by twelve piece paper, and you just had to sit there and stare at it, and let your and yeah. it's like You got to look through it, and you actually a ringing a
3: bell for me. It would kind of come really into view. Oh, I see the bunny. I'm like, I don't see it. Yes, that's <laughs> exactly right. I see the right. bunny. Yeah,
2: I I see some people, you know, trying to make the comparison to David West with Jairus Walker. I I get like the six eight six nine toughness factor, but I do think they're very different players. I think at times. You know, you thought David West was, maybe liability's too harsh, but I don't think we talked about David West as a great defensive player. I think Walker, you talk about a guy that can be a versatile defensive player, and to be fair to West, West was a really good NBA scorer. Well, right. Yeah, he was.
0: <laughs> this dude he
2: averaged 19-20 a game for good New Orleans teams, and even here. I mean, you talk about a go-to guy late. We're not there yet with Walker. I mean, I, I always go back to that Hawks series. Pacers-Hawks series when things were bleak at times in that series and it could have been a big upset and you threw the ball into the adult David West late in those games and you just said all is good in the world. We're not there yet with Walker and I think Rick Carlisle's comments said that. "Of He's got a good feel offensively. He's a good passer. He's a good cutter. Again, Houston did not ask him to do a whole lot offensively. They feel like they get that jump shot a little bit tighter and he can help you out there but his calling card is on that defensive end. that's why i kind of think thad young i know body type is not exactly thad young but when i think of thad i think defense before offense when i think of david west i think offense before defense
0: agree totally yeah that's fair fair way of saying it uh Uh, chad buchanan by the way going to join us in the nine o'clock hour a couple of questions including um the intangibles of how you make a trade like in between yeah i am i am curious about that yeah we'll get into all that later
4: Like, I've always had a goal since I was like five years old to get to the NBA. So fast forward to, you know, me having to pick a college, you know, knowing Coach Woodson, him being a player and a coach, that was definitely one of the main reasons. And then once I met him, he was just even better person. So, um, yeah, it was just genuine. And for sure, definitely him having that NBA experience definitely, you know, drew me to uh, Indiana.
0: Let me tell you how times have changed a little bit in college basketball. And Indiana is a great representation of that. Okay, let me read you a text message. That was Jalen hood Shafino, by the way, who was drafted last night by the Lakers, talking about Mike Woodson's role in his development as a player. Uh, We got this text. Hey, guys, while watching the draft last evening after Michigan had two players selected in the top 15 but was nothing more than a mediocre Big Ten team who missed the NCAA and I believe was knocked out in the NIT, it shows the NBA draft has nothing to do with actual basketball production. And with Trace Jackson Davis going as the second-to-last pick after being thought to be borderline first or second round, does that all but seal Edie's NBA chances next season? You're better being a six-seven wing player with 7-foot wingspan who has little to no shot. Here's the thing. For years, the answer to that question is this. The NBA game and the college game are just different. They just are. They're both basketball, I realize, but the style of play, totally different. And for years, the narrative, in particular for Indiana basketball, do you know how many players Bob Knight coached that started an NBA All-Star game? One. One. 29 years at Indiana, one NBA All-Star. And people used to chatter about that. And I always said... Bob Knight's job is to make the best college basketball team for Indiana University. Bob Knight's job is not to develop the Atlanta Hawks or the Phoenix Suns. It's to win basketball games for Indiana University. And that was true for a very long time in terms of just the approach. You know, Dean Smith had, good Lord, I mean, you couldn't swing a dead cat in Chapel Hill and not hit like three first-round picks and Dean Smith who was a hell of a coach, won two titles in 40 years or whatever. I think now in college basketball because the NBA has become in a lot and a huge part of it is because of obviously Bird and Magic and Jordan and just the the evolution of the popularity and the money and everything of the NBA. That's what guys are focused on at a very young age and college basketball to to the upper upper echelon elite is a springboard to help get them to the NBA. So in for a long time, blue chip marquee players, college basketball was the first opportunity they had to show people they were a blue chip marquee player. And so therefore they wanted to go somewhere that was going to give them prominence by winning a lot of games as a college basketball team. Now, Blue chip marquee players are playing in AAU tournaments and on national television and web pages and everything else by the time they're 16 or 17. So the college game is nothing more than a one year springboard for them. So that changes a little bit the dynamic of the recruiting of players. And as you can see there, Mike Woodson's connection to the NBA is a huge caveat towards getting great players there. But in the end, Kevin. Mike Woodson's job is still to win games for Indiana University. And there is a very fine balancing act between... Tough to achieve that. Yeah, getting those players and then winning with them, as we saw last night, as evidenced by the point about Michigan.
2: I mean, I would argue that a guy that's struggling with it right now, considering the amount of five-star recruits he brings in on an annual basis, is John Calipari.
0: 100%. And what did they say last night about Calipari? They're like, look, you know, a lot of these guards that you see... In the NBA from Kentucky, that are becoming great players, weren't necessarily great no. players at Kentucky.
2: How about last night, Kentucky as Oscar Shibue go undrafted? That is the national player of the year from two years ago, a walking double double, you know, 17 and 13, 17 and 14. I mean, big double double nights on a night in, night out basis. Chris Livingston gets drafted out of Kentucky, and he averaged six and four last year. So the guy that was a one of the most productive players college basketball has seen in years does not get drafted. But the guy that averaged six and four does get drafted. Or or I guess in in Trace's case, I mean again, Trace was the second to last pick of the NBA draft, and he's one of the most productive players that program has ever seen. Obviously, one of the most dominant players in college basketball last season. Uh, but I do think from a Jalen hood Shafino standpoint to the Lakers and a Trace Jackson-Davis standpoint to the Warriors, those are great landing spots. And I think remove yourself from like the LeBron-Steph Curry hype for a second. Those teams have massive payrolls and have to have some rookies fit in somewhere. So just given that, they walk into really good situations. And then, of course, I think... You know, a guy like Hood Chifino, I think would be a nice compliment to what the Lakers kind of have. And we talked about it a lot earlier. You look at Golden State's roster, nobody's over six nine. Nobody. Mike Dunleavy, their GM, said it last night. Trace Jackson Davis got a good chance to be on our 15-man roster. Jake, there's not a lot of second-round picks that the GM say that after the draft. So I think it's a great, great landing spot for both of them and i know trace is probably pretty uh pretty mad about how much he fell and all of that and clearly his social media indicate some of that but that is a place where they're going to need him to come in and i would think potentially you know round out that back of the second unit depending on how the rest of the offseason goes
0: you know what's interesting if you look at the last i don't know 10 guys that have been named an nba finals mvp so the last, and I'm not talking about the last 10 years, but the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Of the last nine players that have been an NBA an NBA Finals Most Valuable Player, of those nine, one, two, three of them, four. Four of the nine played college basketball, even played college basketball. And Kawhi Leonard was at San Diego State. Andre Iguodala was kind of a I hate to say an obscure NBA Finals MVP but Kevin Durant played one year and Steph Curry obviously had the one good run at Davidson. Outside of that I mean Kobe Bryant, LeBron James Dirk Nowitzki, Giannis Jokic so my point being the college game is an indicator or it gives you a chance to see players but it is not the the immediate link towards NBA success and vice versa.
2: The second time in NBA history of the first five picks, only one collegian.
0: Yeah, I thought I saw I, last I, night. I think they did say they did say that. You yeah, you go
2: back to the Kwame Brown, boy, Eddie Curry, Tyson Chandler. I'm trying to think who else would have been. I mean, uh, in that draft. Now, obviously, it's changed right? from the high school. You know, tuned to that draft, whatever that was, two thousand one, to certainly some international flavor. And I guess last night with the Thompson brothers, um, you know, that's a pretty unique case of both of them playing for overtime elite. Mark, you um, you did a poll last night asking for a letter grade for the Pacers.
3: Yeah. So this is, they landed Jairus Walker with the trade with the Wizards, but we still didn't know the compensation. We knew there was two. Second-round picks, we know for twenty 2028 or later that night. So I didn't, I didn't add that caveat. But again, Twitter only allows four-letter grade options. So I went with A, B, C, or F, because D's a failing grade too. Who are we kidding? Uh, so I asked Pacers fans, "What's your grade for landing Jarius Walker?" Overwhelmingly, over 860 votes and counting. 54.6% say A grade. B is second spot with 30.6 c 9.4 and f 5.3 percent some comments in there uh someone said getting him with two picks chef's kiss emoji uh whether he was the best player player available or not i think he filled the biggest need you get the you get the guy you want plus picks master class
0: yeah I, and i want to go back to I, I i think by now this once like the knee-jerk dust has settled on this people have figured this out but I understand, especially people that are not as diehard or peripheral fans may not understand this. So let let me explain again what took place. The Pacers were on the clock at number seven. Washington was immediately behind them at number eight. Washington really liked the point guard um out of France that had played with Wemam Yama. Okay? And Washington wanted to take that player. San Antonio, because they already have Miyama l- really liked the idea of being able to pair him with his point guard that he had played with in France. So San Antonio, either fictionally or factually, calls Indiana and says, hey, our guy's on the board here at seven and we really like him. We'd like to talk to you about possibly trading into your position at number seven. And Indiana says, well, what, what do you have to offer? And San Antonio makes an offer. So the Pacers then tell Washington, listen, we know you like this guy at seven, and we're sitting at seven right now, and it's true. We're probably going to take Jairus Walker, and then you would be able to to just take your guy at eight. Except we're now getting offers, and we're contemplating it. So what what do you have to give us? You think teams lie about that? Yes,
3: Prove uh, it. Of course, show me. Would lie about it. Yeah,
0: show me. So, <laughs> you know, so, the, so Washington says, you know what, we, we, guys, we got to do this. What, what do we have to give to Indiana so we can move up one spot? So they say we'll give you a couple of future second round picks, and Indiana says sounds good. Now, it's very easy for a Pacer fan to say, well, what the hell good does that do? A couple of 2028 20, uh, 20, round picks. Who cares? That's four years from now. Here's where it makes a difference. And especially when you are a mid market team like Indiana, you've got to be careful about money in every aspect of the word more so than in LA or New York or Miami. Where it makes a difference is the rookie salary structures of NBA players are set in stone based on where they're drafted. And by drafting Jarvis Walker eighth as opposed to seventh, the Pacers saved themselves like $580,000 a year. The guy that gets completely screwed is Jaris Walker. Right. Yeah.
2: I know if you're his agent, you're like, come on, Pacers. Yeah. Yeah, I was um I think the the rage last night from Pacers fans when they saw this news was maybe more confusion than anything. Totally. Because to me I was just like, oh, this is this makes total sense. Like, great job. I mean, you get a couple second round picks, you save a little money. Uh yeah, you still get the guy that you wanted. All of those things for me kind of checked out. Um, a little bit more on Ben Shepard. Again, Ben Shepard was the pick at 26 overall. Hales from Belmont, played there for all four years. He had 41 in a game a couple of years ago, 35 and 33 in games this past season. Uh, 41% from three in his senior year, 37% overall. Definitely improved his shooting as his career uh, moved along at Belmont. Uh, by all accounts, had a really good combine. That's when he kind of emerged a little bit more as a late first round guy. Um, And and just a couple of thoughts, you know, I mentioned yesterday, Jake, I I should say for about the past week, you know, a question I've asked some of our guests, what's the second need? We know defense is the first need wing defense. What's that second need. And I do think it was shooting. It was making sure you continue to put shooting around Halliburton and Nemhard. you know, kind of your, your point guards of the future. and, Buddy healed is not a contract year. I still think he can be a very important piece for you for several more years, but you can't ignore that. Um, and so I think that's where Shepard comes into play. It's something that I think you like. I don't think this is a guy that is a menacing defender or this you know, 1% athlete by any means, but he was a first-team all-defense guy in the MoVal. So it's not like he's just an outright liability by any means on the defensive end of the floor. And I'm not going to pretend to know a ton about Belmont, but the few times I've watched them over the years, I think they have this reputation of some really, really smart dudes that know how to play. And when you've got Halliburton and you know how to move off the ball and you know how to cut, Halliburton's finding you. So Shepard checked that box for me of, okay, that was probably the second need. Uh, I see the thought process in that. If I'm Chris Duarte, though, I don't like that.
0: Do you remember, and he stuck around for a long time, uh, and I actually JJ Reddick referenced him last night in some sort of conversation uh, about pieces or you know whatever.
3: Do you remember uh, George Niang? Oh sure, my uh, my brother in law has a George Niang Hickory jersey. That was fun doing overnights and trying to figure out how you said his last name for the morning sportscast.
2: <laughs> well, you, you could Mark, you could struggle with the first name too.
3: Yeah, yeah. Is it is it George or George? I, I think singular.
0: He's done a nice job of sticking around as an NBA player. Now he does look Sixers, like a guy. Right. He's with Philly now. He 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 definitely looks like a guy that as soon as he's done playing is gonna he's gonna look like Sinbad within two years of finishing playing. But he is a spot up shooter, and he's managed to last in the league because he is a because he can shoot when the ball rotates over to him. If he's got a window, he can shoot and he can score. Shepard, I think, is a better player than that and a more versatile player than that. But that's the kind of player where, like, there's not a big wave when you sign him. But, like, here it is 12 years later, and he's still in the league because he can shoot the basketball. That's what you hope for Shepard, right? That he is a guy that, in the second unit, when the ball rotates over and he's out there on the floor, that he can extend the defense a little bit. And maybe that frees things up a little bit more for, you know, that second unit for some of the guys that are going to be playing a little bit further down low.
2: Yeah. I mean, Nemhard. I don't think you're calling him some dead-eye shooter, Correct. McConnell. I I don't think you call him that either. So to me, that that makes some sense. Got a text here from Steve Jake. Steve is at his lake house for the weekend and uh, sent us a picture of us on the uh, TV here via the old YouTube stream. How about that, man? Shout out to Steve. Hopefully, he's uh, getting a little insight on instead the picture's draft. From instead us of being
0: tonight. near the water, he he just you yeah, can't you can't pull away from us, right? Yeah,
2: early in the morning here. Uh, quick little recap of the two second round picks for the Pacers. Uh, Mojave King. Jake, you've already made one desert joke. We'll see if you got anything else. He rules the desert, yep. For Mojave King, a New Zealand native, played last year for G League Ignite. Um, I think there are some questions about his jump shots. Six four guard. Um, seems pretty athletic, though, if you're going to go for kind of a strength there, known more for his defense. This screams kind of two-way contract. To me, so I would assume a lot of Mad Ant action for Mr. Mojave King. Uh, ironically, um, he actually played in a tournament with Benedict Matherin at one point in his prep career, both of them NBA Academy products, uh, Latin America for Matherin. Obviously, not Latin America for Mojave King. And then at number 55 overall to round out the night, another two guard, which, again, if I'm going to nitpick a little bit too, like two guard heavy, I would have liked to have seen another wing uh, or even kind of a four in there. But Isaiah Wong, the ACC player of the year. IU fans will certainly remember that name from the tournament. 27 points Isaiah Wong had
0: against Indiana. Are you uh, now listen? I think it's a sign of my maturity, and both of you should be commending that for the fact that we are now 79 and a half minutes into this program this morning, and... Indiana late last night, and I'm working on no sleep, right? I mean, no sleep because I watched the draft. My buddy Frank yesterday says to me, at The gym, you're going to watch the draft tonight? Because if not, I'm going to call in and say that you were not legit. And I said, No, I'm watching it. I texted him last night, late second round, still watching. Uh, I'm all in. He said, Okay, good. I'm glad you pass. So I'm. It is our job. It is. So I was up late watching the draft because, to your point, Kevin, it ended at like close to one o'clock in the morning. No,
2: we—I I know I praised the
3: NBA for the quickness of the draft. I felt it was a little slow. This I, time. I was cursing your name last night. I'm like Kevin said, this is going to be fast. I'm going to bed. I can't stay up. Past I think the ESPN now. product made it feel yeah. slow. Totally
0: agree. A lot of pregnant pauses. Um, and the Pacers are on the clock. Trace Jackson Davis is there. They go with Isaiah Wong of Miami who knocked Indiana out of the tournament and kind of, I mean, not just knocked him out of the tournament, like walloped them Mm, out of the tournament. Yeah, KO'd them. Went to the Final Four. And Trace Jackson Davis has to slide down to the second-to-last pick of the draft. Washington technically on its way to, to Golden State. Trace Jackson Davis sent a tweet saying, like, you all will regret this, I promise. Pacer fans up in arms. Can't believe they didn't take Trace Jackson Davis. Four-year player, Mr. Basketball, all-time leading, what, rebounder and shot blocker in Indiana history. One of the top five scores Probably would have broken Cobra Cheney's career scoring record if he'd come back. Granted, five years versus four. At no point, at no point, now, 80 minutes into this program this morning, at no point did I say... Indiana fans think the Pacers made the wrong decision.
3: I never have said that. All right! I was <laughs> a, that was a five-minute story that was a, <laughs> the most obvious punchline coming. I thought
2: there was a chance you might just turn off the mic kind of mid-story. and just <laughs> loser. Jake um, was talking to himself.
0: Hey, there. Jake, Ben Shepard's a real deal. Saw him play against Indiana State twice this year, and he does not miss. Great pick.
2: Yeah, I mean, there is high right? praise for kind of his movement off the ball, his ability to... You know, catch and shoot, running off screens, all of that. And again, a big combine for Shepard. So you take chances on guys that, again, they excel in that area with how the modern game is. Defense was still the first focus, and understandably, with Jairus Walker coming there at number, I guess, technically eight overall. Um, but Shepard at 26, I thought was important as well. Um, Anything else draft-wise, you know, Brandon Miller going two, I I feel like that made sense to me with how Charlotte um, is currently built. Do we think Scoot Henderson and Damian Lillard are
0: together, or is this Damian Lillard on the move? uh, You know, that's, I think, you know, and I'll tell you the other player you, you forget about in there is... Shaden Sharp, who had a really nice close. He did. I mean, he looks like he's going to be a player, too. I think it is. Look, this guy was too good to pass up, and we'll figure out a way to make it work. Damian Lillard's.
2: Yeah, there's a huge drop, I think, from three to four if you look at the prospects. Yeah,
0: Lillard, I think, is, you know, I think they know he's probably entering the final phase, but it's a nice handoff at that point uh, if you want to do it that way. I I think Scoot Henderson, yeah, you just take him and you go, we'll we'll figure out how to make it work. I I did. Brandon Miller, I thought was, first off, I loved his suit. I thought his suit was beautiful, honest, and I'm being serious. I was like, that is a gorgeous suit. But um, Brandon Miller, first time I've really seen him interviewed, I thought he came off really well, really well-spoken guy. And by that, I mean, sounded humble and, and polite, kind. I, I was a little hesitant when the, I can't remember who was interviewing Brandon Miller. And they said, now, in terms of, for, for the Hornets, if you were to tell their fans, what do you bring? I'm like, yeah, it's probably the wrong terminology for mm-hmm. Brandon Miller. That was um, a popular question last night. Yeah.
2: I, I didn't understand the, hey, Scoot, why did you hug all seven of your siblings? Well because I, they're his family
0: members. I, I, I thought that as well. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I thought that as well. What's he supposed to do? I hate to be overly
2: critical of people in media settings because Lord knows I'm never going to be sitting on an NBA draft couch
3: interviewing prospects. That was the first question, wasn't it? But
0: I'm
2: kind of like, well, shh. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I've to asked to asked be fair, that
3: many siblings, there's probably a turd in that punch bowl somewhere. <laughs> I've mean, asked some really dumb questions before. But you're <laughs>
2: hugging everybody. I saw Jaime Jaquez was hugging uh, whoever the coach was at the table next to him. Like, <laughs>
0: Here's the most sobering thing. The most sobering thing is while we're watching the draft, I think it's actually when Jaime, uh, Jaime is it Jaquez? I, I believe so. When he was, and, and his parents were both up there, and they're being interviewed, and Shannon looks at me and goes, do you realize that so far we are older than every parent that they've interviewed so far? And I'm
3: like, yeah, you're right. Cam Whitmore slide. Uh, is I was going to say, that was the other
2: thing I was going to bring up. Cam Whitmore, did, was it 20? 20 to the Rockets, yeah. I mean, if you were the Rockets, you literally walked out of the draft with Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore, and I'm willing to bet there were times throughout the draft process that Cam Whitmore was mocked to the Rockets at number four. Yeah. So medicals with him? Is
3: that That's what, what it they was? said, I thought. Yeah. I mean, he only
2: missed a handful of games at I thought, Villanova.
0: I thought they said he didn't interview well. That, That's that, interesting. Hmm.
2: That and, will be one to watch. And again, if you're Houston, you're in a position where it's like, all right. You take a chance. I mean, you're in a full rebuild, and he, he, he's a great talent, and you got Thompson at four. That one made a whole lot of sense to me. I know there the, some Pacers fans that wanted to see them try and trade up for Whitmore.
0: Part of the reason um, that it was surprising to see Whitmore or to hear that like there could have been an issue in his interview process is because I do think that the program that he's coming out of is one that is reputed to have – Kind of a just a scrupulous and professional nature about it that would have prepared him. But uh, I agree with Neil on this. By the way, Jake, can can we please retire the "How excited are you?" question? I mean, can you imagine one of these guys like, well, actually, two years ago, I was super nervous that whether or not somebody was going to go to prom with me, and I remember scrounging to, to be able and having to borrow money to be able to run a tux for the prom, and now I'm probably going to make you know sign a deal, a shoe contract next week for five million, and then I'm getting eight hundred grand a year, and I'm in the NBA, uh, but I'm not excited at all. I, I you know this sucks.
3: Same with the parent questions. Like, are, what do you think? How are proud are I you did, of there, your son? Well, I some parents just be like, he's a bum. He doesn't do anything. You guys got fleeced right now. There is an element of, like, I'm
2: just there to kind of see their emotion. Like the, And so I guess any question is going to lead to any sort of emotion in that setting. I don't think you're going to get a lot of these just, like, incredible answers there. Again, I thought a lot of that stuff could have been moved to the ABC telecast. You know, not to get too into the weeds of, like, media and everything, but... You know, When the NFL does the ABC broadcast for the draft, they tend to preface it by, this is for the casual fan. This is to watch maybe with the family a little bit more. You're going to get to know the human element of these prospects a little bit more. Whereas the NFL network feed... Or the ESPN feed is a little bit more for analysis. I'm watching the ESPN feed last night, and they're barely using J.J. Redick. And I think Redick is outstanding. Talking basketball,
0: I'm like, what are we doing yeah, here? You want to know how the draft affects the players' family? Watch ABC. You want to know how yeah. the draft affects the team? Watch ESPN. Yeah. That's how it should and, be. And
2: I get there's a little bit of balance. You obviously want to get to know some of these prospects, and I'm good with it. But I thought it was a little bit too much human element and not enough... Uh, you know basketball analysis, and again, I, I pretty much was ESPN throughout. Who was the ABC telecast? Did any of you watch it? No, Stephen no A- I only
3: watched ESPN. I didn't. I didn't see who else was there. I assume it was Stephen A. and company.
2: On uh, that by
3: the way, before we get to the checkdown,
0: apparently, with Cam Whitmore's cartilage issues in his knee, they thought that could be an issue further on. Somebody also said, can you please cover what the Pacers got for the 29th ninth pick?
2: So Denver, that that trade. Yes. Okay, so they traded 29-32. and 32. This would have been on, what, Tuesday or Wednesday? Correct, earlier this week. Yeah, and they got the 40th pick originally from Denver. They actually moved that to the 47th pick. They got $4 million in cash from the Lakers to move back seven spots. Uh, the big return on that trade was a 2024 first-round pick, courtesy of Denver, The parameters of that pick, though, depend on four teams next year. I believe it's Houston, Utah, OKC, and the Clippers. Whichever team has the worst record of those four, they'll get that draft pick. Um, I know that's confusing. If you base that off of this year's standings, the Pacers would have got the 20th pick. So basically they moved back 8 spots in the second round They are hoping to move up about 8 spots in round 1 If you look at where 29 and where 32 were originally I said on yesterday's show I was a big fan of that move I think it's important to continue to have some future draft picks in the cupboard Because there's going to be a point in time as a franchise Where you don't want to spend all the draft picks You don't want to keep on acquiring them them all At some point you're going to want to trade that pick for a player and now the pacers i think have got a little bit of ammo moving forward which as cap space gets tighter as your roster becomes a little bit more win now
0: those are important to continue to have uh, uh time for the the morning checkdown. by the way come on mark come on mark what oh sorry i couldn't hear it on my headphones <laughs> sorry
3: <laughs> staring at me like I got ants coming out of my ears. Well, like, what do you see, want? This, the, the headphone jack that I have here.
0: If I hear what goes like that, if I want to hear that, it, then it's, it's it's this. Or I can listen to it where I can just hear the three of us. So it I sounds apologize. like a you problem. You had
3: some ants issues this morning. Oh my one. god! I walked out on the front porch and there's like thousands of ti- like really tiny ants just like running. I'm like, what? That As blue to hell? Big ants? There's not a piece of bread or anything out on there. I'm like, what is going on here? I went through like a half bottle of Raid. So now why? They're not bothering you. I don't want them getting in the house. <laughs> Granted, like I told you earlier, I'd move. Uh, Major One League thing. Baseball,
0: we'll start with that. Braves over the Phillies 5-1. It was the Diamondbacks over the Nationals 5-3. Athletics beaten by the Guardians 6-1. Padres over the Giants 10 nothing The New York Yankees uh, beaten by the Mariners 10-2. By the way, the Cubs and Cardinals in London. And the Reds and
3: Braves in Cincinnati sold out the next two
4: games. All Great eyes on it.
3: From you. Great great restraint from you. The Cubs and Cardinals are in London. You didn't do an accent. We'll just move on. Okay, the best friends I've ever seen. One thing I did want to clarify, I think I might have
2: misspoke there on the parameters for that 2024 first-round pick. It should be the Pacers will get in return whichever of those four teams has the worst selection. So... Um, whichever of those teams has the best record next year out of Houston, Utah, OKC, and the Clippers, whichever team has the lowest first-round pick. So whichever's closest to round two, that is the selection the Pacers will get in that trade. Uh, last night, from a sport-viewing standpoint outside of the draft, I was getting a lot of people that are like, this College World Series game was just an old-fashioned pitcher's duel. ESPN had a wild stat on the College World Series from last night. So, Rhett Lauder, Paul Skeens, both top 15 picks projected coming up in the Major League Baseball draft. They're starting last night. It's the first College World Series game with aluminum bats, which have been in place in 74, where both starters went at least seven innings and allowed three hits or
0: less. I mean... That's wild. Didn't they say going into it, it was going to be like the two, you know... Lived up to the hype.
2: Yeah, total pitchers to right? I mean, it, right? what, 40, 50-some years, and we have not seen both starters go at least do, seven and allow three hits or do less. Do you remember— It was LSU on a walk-off, by the way. Tommy Tanks in the 11th with a shot to left field. Do you remember a couple of years ago—
0: game. I say couple, like 10 years ago during the Little League World Series, there was the one kid during the intro that said all he does is hit dingers.
3: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that Tommy Tanks now? I think that's the guy that said he had a crush on his teacher, too. <laughs> good job by him. I like
0: when Mrs. Jones subs. Um, the, 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 is that, that kid would now be like Tommy Tanks' age, right? Uh, Tommy Tanks certainly plays like it. That and he looks like Tommy it. Tanks looks like that kid, right? I thought he was a fullback for Brian Kelly this past year. Well, it's all in the family, as you know.
2: LSU in Florida, best of three series for it all starting tomorrow night.
0: Oh, my name's Alfred Dalia. At home, they call me Big Al, and I hit dangers. <laughs> that was a strong <laughs> pull there, Mark. Uh, by that the way, really n- quick, Mark. <laughs> NBA news above and beyond the NBA draft. Uh, the Chicago Bulls expect Lonzo Ball to miss yet another entire season. Mm. Have you seen reports? And I, I don't know if this is conjecture or legit. But I have seen
3: reports that they believe that because is it a knee or an ankle with Lonzo Ball? Do you know, Mark? It's the knee now. Yeah, it's it's a, he's got the same issue, but in the different knee. So this seems to be an easy target. I did read somewhere that they
0: thought it might have been because of his imbalance that was created by wearing that shoe that he had the first year that he was playing in the league.
3: So it's all physical, Mark. So he had surgery. To fix the issue, and then he was still feeling pain, and now I guess he's feeling pain in the other knee as well, and they think it's the same issue.
0: It it really is too it's bad. Been like because, three years now, you know, Lonzo Ball as big as a pain in the backside as his dad was. It's fun to watch. He's a great player. I think I think he is fun to watch. He, he he dictates pace like nobody's business in the NBA. Ben Simmons is the only other player I can think of that, that can dictate pace like that. But the other thing too is as much as Levar Ball like was in your face on ESPN and doing you know he was kind of a PR nightmare my understanding is especially at UCLA that Lonzo Ball was a great teammate and his dad was completely hands off It's like and just you know and LaMelo Ball's a great player
3: Lonzo Ball has undergone 3 operations on his left knee in a little more than a year He's yeah still got pain I mean- in it.
0: That's rough. That is.
2: That is. Uh, Fever won last night in Seattle. Big night for Kelsey Mitchell as they begin a four-game road trip. Uh, When we come back, we'll continue to get more into the draft, explain where the two guys from Indiana went last night, and a look at the four picks for the Pacers. What type of letter grade would you give them? Uh, Chad Buchanan, by the way, in about an hour. Pacers GM going to join us to close out the show today. Kevin Aquarius right here on a Friday, 93.5 The Fan.
1: You know, we think Walker's a really unique prospect because of his uh, ability to handle, see the floor pass, make plays. He's one of these guys that's just one of those rare, young, big guys that really has great feel for the game.
2: That's Rick Carlisle last night on the eighth overall pick as the Pacers moved back. One spot, got a couple second-rounders, saved a little money, and still took the guy that they were going to take at seven. That would be Jarris Walker. Out of Houston, I think Carlisle laid it out there pretty accurately. This is a team that was horrid on defense and rebounding last season. That was the focus. That is Walker's calling card as a two hundred and forty pound dude with a seven foot two wingspan. But offensively, this is not some major liability. Questions about his jump shot certainly, um, but you know, thirty four percent is not god awful, and they feel like. That his feel as a passer and a cutter and his ability to kind of do some other things um, makes this selection not some guy that you're only oh yeah he only helps us out on one end of the floor you know he can be helpful on the offensive end of the floor but there's certainly room for him to grow a little bit more as an offensive player.
0: You know the um, the buzz aside from the X's and O's and everything else in the draft it, it we talked about Grady Dick's jacket, which, again, I thought he looked ridiculous, but whatever. Um, I love Brandon Miller's suit. Anybody else jump out at you from a fashion standpoint?
2: Um, I don't know about fashion-wise. I did, and, and it probably helped that Maddie was sitting next to me when it happened. I don't know if we have made enough about twins being drafted number 4 and 5 overall.
3: Unbelievable, right? I thought Scoot Henderson's outfit was going to take an eye out.
0: Yeah, Scoot did have a big chain for Scoot there. Now, the chain thing, l- l- let's get to that. Did, I think they gave that to everybody, right? Oh, did they? I, like, I noticed... So Grady he was the Dick... He I noticed it on. Grady Dick had on this big silver chain with his logo. I, I guess I should have elaborated earlier when I was talking about how... Like, at first, when I first saw Grady Dick's outfit, I saw a video that was posted where he was explaining his outfit, and then he's like, yeah, I got my, my necklace here, and he's like, and with my new logo... And I just thought, okay, th- this is this has like red flags. This looks like, you know, me, 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 right? And I told you that when I watched him play, I thought there were times where he took plays off because he was kind of sulking. So maybe I had like a preconceived notion in my head. But then I noticed throughout the, the draft that every player had that. And I think they gave every player a necklace to wear with like their initials on it. I, I That seemed to be the theme for everybody that was there but the thompson twins n- not just a great band from the 80s but i thought kevin the thing about the thompson twins that impressed me they looked to me the most just professional approach in their attire and then i got to thinking about it if you were if you were a player about to be drafted in the nba what would you wear what would your outfit be
2: i didn't realize you're this big of a
3: fashionista i'm not project runway
0: on in your house i'm not yeah, a fashionista but i'm fascinated but but i am a 19 year old 20 year old me ista like just like
2: a marty smith shave in the back of the head and when they went to him in san antonio that was quite the, the cut off short first nice off
0: insane. okay let's talk about that too when they went to marty smith in san antonio i felt bad for him first off because you know he was like why am i doing this but and then he
2: looked at his paycheck
0: was could they not him. could they not have like gotten his
3: microphone correct you couldn't hear him for the first. Did you notice that? Well, I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to do it where he was not only broadcasting on TV, to but the they're playing it over the loudspeaker. But you I think couldn't hear him like,
0: at all because yeah. the crowd was going bonkers, and I mean, just was that whole thing was just kind of awkward, right? Yeah, I, 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 I don't know what, I don't know what, what the hell I would wear. I, I when you were nineteen, what would because I, I'd suit that fits. I. I When I was 19, I would have dressed like a total jackass, I'll bet you. Like, I remember my senior year of high school, Chris Farkas was going to Alabama. Bingo (laughs) card. And he shaved Bama into the back of his head, and then Byron shaved an IU logo into the back of his head, and I think I got a Kansas Jayhawk earring at one point. Uh, Yeah, I mean, just, just terrible decisions all the way around. And I'm like, I wonder what I would have done when I, if I had, that's why I was so, I wanted to make fun of Grady Dick, how ridiculous he looked. But I have to admit, I mean, 19 year old me, I can't, I would have, I would have walked out there dressed like vanilla ice. You probably did. I would have looked like a total moron when I was 19. But you're entering into the professional world. And I thought the Thompson's looked I just thought they so many of those players last night to me I was so impressed by the way they, they, they handled themselves and the maturity they showed. Yeah far well, greater than the maturity I had at that age.
2: Jairus Walker press conference a little bit later this afternoon. Um hopefully he'll join JMV as well. Um I think you'll enjoy listening to him. Ben Shepherd, a lot of energy from him. Um pretty outgoing guy it seems like as well. Again Jairus Walker for those that missed it last night, I grew up in Pennsylvania Went to IMG Academy. Actually went there for five years. So spent a lot of time down in Bradenton, Florida um, at their academy. A teammate of Zach Yeadie at one point. I know IMG's got a couple teams down there. Uh, but was a teammate of Zach Yeadie there. And he is the youngest of three older sisters. They briefly showed them after the selection there. You know, I... I,
3: Whoa. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't see it, so I'm just- <laughs> I'm just <laughs> guessing. Jeez, God. Well, the three girls, I mean, I don't know. They had to be somewhat good. One might have had have been passable,
2: I would assume. Passable? Yeah. Boy. yeah. Mark, the father of three daughters, dropping a passable line there. Uh, I do think the fact that this is a five-star prospect that decided to go play for Kelvin Sampson at Houston. I mean, I could think of a lot of places I would want to play before playing for Kelvin. Kelvin Sampson strikes me as a dude that I would want no part of those practices. Yeah.
0: It- Kelvin Sampson was there last night too, right? Front and center. I mean, uh, good for him. Marcus Sasser
2: right? drafted as well in round one, but um, I, I just think Walker is me as a guy that's kind of wired in the mindset that fits his style as a defender and a rebounder first, more than anything.
0: You, you know, Kelvin Sampson, Kevin, is a very easy target. He was when when Kelvin Sampson coached Indiana, he was the most arrogant. Uh, just he was just an ass all the way around to to people he he just he was arrogant as could be he we know what happened with all of that I don't have to sit here and go over the history of Kelvin Sampson with Indiana all of that said he is a fabulous basketball coach and if you're going to play for Kelvin Sampson you are going to to your point Kevin you are going to be a bulldog on defense first and foremost and you are you are going to give 150%.
2: We had this question leading into the draft and we got an answer on it last night. Biggest swing or best fit? And the Pacers went best fit. You know biggest swing probably would have been the guy they actually took. Below, yeah, you're right. You know right. as as just the high intrigue and high upside. Would that have been biggest swing or biggest risk? Both, both. I, I I think you I think both like upside fit, yeah, swing and upside, boom or bust, however you want to label it. I think that's what Washington and look at Washington. I mean, they are in a position right now to take a player like that. But I think in a way, and someone tweeted this at me a little bit earlier, and I think it's true. What you saw last night, and we'll see how the next week unfolds. I don't expect anything massive from the Pacers, but they they still could do something of significance. I think it's a sign, Jake, that they look at Tyrese Halliburton and Benedict Mather and they say, guys, lead us. Score. Score and lead. You two score and lead. Because the Walker pick is not 19 a game guy. Nemhard is not 19 a game guy. Right. You know, it is Halliburton and Mather and show, and everybody compliments those two. I was under that impression before the draft. I agree with that thought process, but last night confirmed it. Because the, they could have gone to Cam Whitmore.
0: You're right. They could have gone with again. I mean, Walker was the one. The
2: ball guy. Some might say Taylor Hendricks, who went to pick, what, two picks after the Pacers. I guess technically one pick after the Pacers. That he has a little bit more like offensive upside. Hendricks is interesting
0: Walker. to me, Kevin, because he's the guy that like you heard nothing about last night in the draft. You know, like he got picked and it was kind of like, okay, yeah, great. And then the, there wasn't like a lot yeah. of analysis about him. But I thought he was pretty intriguing. Um, Somebody asked me this question. I think it's a good one, Mark. I'll, I'll I'll use it in in the form of you, Mark. We'll begin with you. I'll see if this is flattering or not. Let's say that you are 19 Let's see years if it's old.
2: Passable, to use a term from Mark.
0: <laughs> You're 19 years old, and uh-huh. you are in the green room. You've got your suit on. Your mom's there. Your dad. Your your you brothers. have a brother and a sister, right? No, I have two brothers. Okay, so your whole family's there. And Adam Silver gets up and says, with the you know seventh pick or whatever pick. The, insert name of team, select Mark Dykton from the University of Indianapolis. What franchise, what franchise, when he says it right before your name, even though you're thrilled to be going into the NBA, what franchise is the
3: one that when you put the hat on, you're like, oh oh, man, like I got a grin here. I, I know they had a good year this year, but the Sacramento Kings probably.
2: Where's the income tax the highest?
3: California's way up
0: there. New I saw they York mentioned also?
2: they mentioned that with the Thompson brothers. One of them went to Houston, the other one went to Detroit, is yeah, that right? Detroit, yeah. So the Detroit one, I think it's 4 4.5% 4. income tax or Houston nothing.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you go to a Florida or Texas team,
2: you're pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. Sacramento, Mark? And more just lifestyle, less about team?
3: Uh, yeah, probably just everything I've heard about the king like the Sacramento area and everything like that. It's not no San Diego.
0: Yeah, but but at least in Sacramento you're not like getting cuz keep in mind the NBA is a winter sport, so if you play for the Sacramento Kings and you got a yeah, five-game well, homestand, bother me. What about though? like Minnesota? Yeah, totally, Minnesota's way yeah. up there, right? Can you imagine playing for the Timberwolves and in December you get up and it's like, oh well, I forgot to plug my car in last night, so it's it
3: froze. Plug my car in. You don't know about that? Well, I'm assuming you drive electric, but or you could just do gas, so you don't have to worry about electric.
0: That's not what I'm talking about. In Minnesota, what? In Minnesota. You plug you plug your car in to keep it warm, to keep it from freezing overnight. Plug really? it into what? Yes, like a heater, like that, like in like apartment buildings and and people in their garages. You have things that you like warmers that you plug literally that come attached to the car that you have to plug it into to keep it warm overnight so it doesn't freeze.
3: So where's the pl- the plug is in the car? Yeah, I'm curious. Like, what? What are you, what, what, what are you attaching? So wait. To? So the Minnesota cars have a a plug that yes. other cars don't. The, the, if you live in
0: Minnesota, people have like warmers to warm their car overnight. That is correct. Look it up. Well, I kid you not. I, I, where do you plug it in? I, I have no idea. I've never been to Minnesota. I've never lived in Minnesota. But I know that like people will tell you they're like, yeah, you have to like keep warmers on so your car. Michael
3: Grady's plugging his car in. I, I would bet you. Like a little like three prong thing. If you ask, I have no idea.
0: If you ask Michael Grady, I will bet he'll be like, "Yeah, I, I've heard of the car warmers. Yes, but my but Detroit. I'm obsessed with this now. How about Utah? I mean, Salt Lake City a beautiful city, but like right. you're like, wait a minute, like what what am I going to do in Utah? Yeah,
2: Utah would be a bit of a,
0: a bit of a shock. I you know how about Charlotte there? Charlotte Hornets. Oh yeah, that would be way up there with the Thompson
2: brother going and it's a sar that is going to detroit i mean you look at the fit there and their athletic profile boy Jay ivy and Asar thompson <laughs> that is some high flying
0: acts more than 90 percent of cars that. in minnesota have block heaters it is also illegal in minnesota in many parts to leave your car running overnight
3: oh, <laughs> which many people do to try to keep it warm yeah. It seems like a disaster waiting to happen. Yeah,
2: that doesn't seem like the best thing to do for your home. A relatively small
0: investment. They keep an engine warm and easy to start throughout the cold winter nights with a block heater.
3: I have no idea how it works, but there you go. Just get an electric starter at that point. I'm just telling you.
2: Uh, Chad Buchanan, Pacers GM, he's going to join us here in about an hour. We'll have a freebie Friday for the pop quiz coming up. On the other side, the Pacers' four selections last night. We'll get more into the guys that rounded out that four-man haul. What those expectations should be for them. Kevin Acquari right here on ninety three five one zero seven five, The Fan. So you had a, uh, he had what, two guys from Michigan going around one? Yep. And they were bad at basketball last year? Two dudes from Houston, two dudes from Duke, and Arkansas?
0: Arkansas as well and was it Anthony Black that was hurt most of the year or was it the other one
2: uh, I think the other one Nick Smith who the thought was he would be higher picked than Anthony is Black he, is or... Nick
0: Smith the one that looked like Rick James he was super emotional yeah
2: yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. like struggling to kind of get out words late, late first round pick Anthony Black went a spot ahead
0: of Indiana is that right correct and there was rumor that Indiana was interested in him I don't know if that's true or not but that was reported at one point
2: Uh, Chad Buchanan going to join us here in a bit. Uh, Jake, I think it's a good question to kind of ask him just the curiosity of how a trade like the the moving back one spot with Washington sort of develops. I would assume that's a lot of trust in Washington to believe that the Pacers actually have a trade in place with another team. San Antonio, was, was that the rumored team?
0: The rumored team was that San Antonio called and said, listen... We, we want to move into the seventh spot to take the kid out of France, and so the Pacers called. The other question is, then how did the Pacers know that Washington – that that's who Washington wanted.
2: Yeah, I mean, is that just intel you gather throughout the process? Yeah, is well, that
0: agent-driven or stuff? Or does Washington call and say, listen, this is the guy we want. If anybody's calling for him, you let us know. That seems to open the door to, well, yeah. funny you should ask. Right, yeah. we got Gus from San
2: Antonio <laughs> calling right now. He <laughs> right. says they love Bilal. Paris was great
0: too. Marty, him. what's his name Marty from ESPN? Marty Smith just called. Yeah, that's what he's hearing. I, I
2: do think something ESPN, and it's not ESPN, I guess, more the NBA needs to figure out is, You just got to get a little bit more clarity on these trade situations. Jairus Walker wearing a Wizards hat and ESPN having no idea. I mean, the amount of freak out from people. If you weren't watching on Twitter, it was utter chaos for five minutes for Pacers fans. Like, wait, who is this dude? Yeah. This is not who I thought they would take. Change up the league year. You know, make sure your broadcast partners have a clear picture of what's going on here. Uh, That was very, very. Confusing. A nine o'clock hour. We'll continue the draft conversation again. Chad Buchanan coming up at 9 40. Kevin and
0: You are listening to Kevin and on 93.5 and
1: 107.5. The Fan. The Indiana Pacers are trading to the Washington Wizards the draft rights to Bilal Kulabali, the seventh pick. And the Wizards are trading to the Pacers the draft rights to Jarris Walker, the eighth pick. You know, we think Walker's a really unique prospect because of his ability to handle, see the floor pass, make plays. He's one of these guys that's just one of those rare, young, big guys that really has great feel for the game. I'm excited, man. I'm excited. Like, we have some high-level talented
3: dudes over there, like Mathurin, like, like you said, Turner, Halliburton. <laughs>
2: Jairus Walker, the eighth pick of the Indiana Pacers from last night. Pennsylvania native, played IMG Academy, Houston for one year with Kelvin Sampson, and now he is with the Indiana Pacers. A solo workout for Walker with the Pacers a couple weeks back, same day as Taylor Hendricks, who actually ended up going just one spot behind Jairus Walker. That was the selection there at eight. Ben Shepard from Belmont, a shooter at 26 and in the second round a couple of guards Mojave King out of New Zealand plays with the G League Ignite and then Isaiah Wong from Miami. Wong the ACC Player of the Year uh, lit up Indiana in the tournament for 27 points in that win. Uh, Jake good with defense, good, with good in the future first round pick. Um, good with a shooter late first round and Ben Shepard Would have liked to have seen a little bit more like flyers on wings if I'm going to nitpick there in round two.
0: Yeah, a little bit. um, They probably need, if you look at their depth chart, they probably could use one more like power forward slash center type insurance. Does that mean O'Shea Um, Brissett's back as a free agent? ah, Boy, that's a good question. I thought about that because they kind of do have room right now, right? Um, And Brissett's one of those that, you know, you know what he does. You know what he brings to you. And probably not people necessarily knocking down. you know, I mean, you, you knew you could kind of wait if you wanted to bring him back. It wasn't like he was going to immediately sign a deal somewhere. So that's I like Brichette, as you know. I mean, I've been I like guys like that. Walker, to me, feels like one of my favorite players in the league. And I guess, you know, the, in his latest stop or second to latest stop, I guess there were some issues. But I love Jay Crowder. And I remember I think I even said once, he looks like Jay Crowder. Right. And like you need guys like that, right? Jay Crowder is kind of an enforcer type. He plays bigger than his size. He can hit a shot if he's if the ball rotates over to him and you got to have him pull up. He, he can do that. And I'd love to see Walker be that kind of player. Um Are you familiar with Ron Wolf, Kevin? The, the Packer GM yeah, that to put together the Brett Favre team. Long time Packer GM. Randy Edsel, you familiar with him? The UConn
2: head coach, correct? Randy
0: Edsel? Uh, UConn and Maryland head coach. Uh, those are the two guys that are in the notable alumni group of the same high school as Jairus Walker. Just thought I'd throw that in there. IMG? No, uh, where he started high school. Sorry. not. He ended up going Uh-oh. to IMG Academy. I thought he was at uh, five his, years at His IMG. local high school in Glen Rock, Pennsylvania, is a name that I can't pronounce. Susquehannock? Susquehannock High School? I think that's how you say it.
2: We got this text. Is we're going to be very aggressive? The new all chips in. Second round of stagnant. Then they picked low-ceiling guards. Drafted no wings. Our biggest need. Leonard, Ruper, Gigi Jackson—all first-round talent that slipped. Um, you know, Kevin Pritchard certainly has talked a, a bigger game about being aggressive. Um, we'll see what happens next week when free agency begins. I tend to think if you were going to do something really, really splashy, it would have happened last night with moving that seventh overall pick. I mean, I like OG and Anobi, Jake. I, I like DeAndre Hunter, Dorian Finney-Smith. I think is a decent player as well. I, I You just see those trade packages for some of those guys, and you're like, wow, are they really worth that? And, and I get it. And At some point, you probably got to pay for it, but I don't know. I'm not one of these people that all of a sudden thought last year meant you should speed up the rebuild from 0 to 180. Like, I, I, I feel like continuing down this path, drafting, um, trying to build that way, continuing to keep a little bit in the cupboard in terms of, hey, at some point you can trade Draft picks for players. I kind of like that path. So I guess I'm not one of these that walked into last night thinking fireworks
0: are bust. I love where the Pacers are, and I'm not trying to carry their water. I'm not trying, but Kevin, a year ago, Kevin Pritchard, Rick Carlisle, Chad Buchanan, Kelly Crosskoff. I mean, they all basically said, "Look, we are." Getting ready to start heading down a hallway, and we've got, and we barely even have a flashlight. We we are starting this thing from the ground up, and we're, we're, we have a vision of how we want to play, but, but we're trying to figure out how to get there. And they knew that Halliburton was going to be, and then I remember Kevin Pritchard saying, they knew Halliburton was a really good player. And I remember him saying, and I'll tell you what, this Nimhard can play too. And I thought, yeah, okay, man. I mean, he's a second round pick. They have young pieces, Kevin, at the point guard position. They're in good shape. They've got Halliburton, promising young young piece. nemhard can play that as well, you know, and, and, and McConnell, of course. Off guard, or or like the 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 two three area because positions now are a little more blurred in the NBA. They're in pretty good shape. Matherin's probably more like a three, but. You know, Neesmith's a good player, can play both spots. And then, and again, I'm going with youth here amongst the young players. Down low, Isaiah Jackson, young player. Jalen Smith, young player. I love the fact that they have pieces in multiple areas that are all young, not overly expensive. They're flexible in the positions they can play. And I thought last night, Kevin, with the two picks they took in the first round, they addressed two areas of need. And they did so with, again, young. Jairus Walker's 19 years old. Now, Shepard, I realize, is a four-year guy, but they need a shooter. the The vision is so much more clear in one year. In one year, the clarity... By the way, are you writing notes on the back of that beautiful Cincinnati Reds logoed paper I gave you?
2: Yeah, I figure we should probably put it to use instead of wasting it.
0: I don't think it's wasted. It's got a beautiful Reds logo, the hottest team in baseball. They've won 11 straight. they got back-to-back games this weekend that are sold out The Great American beautiful Ballpark.
2: the Minnesota Wild logo that you also printed earlier this week. Oh, <laughs> well, that was
0: mine. You better, I touched it. <laughs> waste of color ink. <laughs> and all of this was inadvertent. Um, but... You are starting to see it now, right? It's coming into form, and you're like, you know what? I can see. And I think that that even accelerated faster than the Pacers expected. I think the Pacers were like, holy cow. Like, we actually – I don't know what happened, but, like, I just woke up and looked in the backyard, and, like, it's beautiful. Like, there are flowers and trees blooming, and I this is way ahead of what I expected.
2: Yeah, I mean, when you look at kind of a rough sketch of the starting lineup, Jake, and, and, and the depth chart, and again, next week, things could change. You don't have a lot of in-house free agents. O'Shea set easily your most notable. Um, George Hill, James Johnson, some fringe guys. Uh, but you, you could certainly wheel and deal a little bit. But let's say a starting lineup looks like this. Halliburton, Heald, Matherin, Jarris Walker, Miles Turner. Okay, I think that checks. And then a second unit. McConnell's probably your point guard. And then at the 2-3-4, you can probably put all these guys potentially in those spots. You've got Andrew Nemhard. You've got Ben Shepard, who you just took out of Belmont. You've got Aaron Nesmith. You've got Jordan Wara. We'll see about Chris Duarte. But that's about, you know, six guys that at various points in their careers. And again, we'll see about Shepard have shown some sort of shooting, some sort of scoring, some sort of versatility. Uh, and then the bigs, you still have Daniel Tice, Isaiah Jackson, and Jalen Smith. You know, that's a nice core. I, I don't think it's a core I look at and think it's a three seed, but I think it's a nice core to continue to grow. It's got youth. It's got some versatility. Um it's got a few guys that I think in Halliburton's case is an all-star, In Matherin's case can be that. You've added some defensive punch with Walker. You still need to add more, I would think, in that end. But I look at that group and think that should be a playoff core and we'll see what happens next week
0: to add to that. The um Duarte's the guy you feel bad for. And I don't know why, Kevin, because in other words, I know why we feel bad for him, because it just feels like he's fallen out of rotation. But I don't know why he has, because he was remember what a promising piece he was early? And it just feels like you kind of don't know where to put him. And he struggled, and he, and I mean, you know, he has talent, right? He has talent, but but where do you plug it? Where, where do you feel can? Cons- where do you feel good putting him consistently?
2: Yeah, I, I don't to to answer the question. I, I mean, if I'm gonna like pencil in a second unit, I, McConnell, Nemhard. Neesmith Wara, and I still have Ben Shepard outside looking in right now. I mean, you have a little bit of a log jam there kind of at that two-guard spot depending on what you do. I mean, at some point, I, I, I'm i probably more of a fan of just letting Nemhard be the point guard, the, the backup point guard of the future and letting McConnell walk. Again, I don't think we're there just yet, but I do think that is something that at some point you would look at. Um... But I thought if there was a loser category from last night, Jake, or guys that watched the draft and thought, oh boy, I would have looked at those two 2021 first round picks of the Pacers. I would have looked at Duarte. Duarte more than Isaiah Jackson. But I thought both of them probably watched last night and thought, I mean, if you're Isaiah Jackson, you're like, wait, I couldn't get consistent minutes last year. And now they just drafted a dude eighth overall to play the four position
0: but Jackson though I think they also can put it to five right yeah okay so is Tice done are we done with the Daniel Tice that. yeah that's a good and I like Tice but I I think Tice Tice is probably the one that you look at and go who gets squeezed out here it might be Daniel Tice because he was kind of the enforcer right or thought to be you
2: probably have four questions you need to ask as an organization four player questions you need to ask as an organization in the next week Jake and all of these are, guests, are we done or what does the future look like? And the four players would be Chris Duarte, Isaiah Jackson, Jalen Smith, and Daniel Tice.
0: Okay, those middle two, I think, you still, you've still you seen enough to know that they're worth holding on to, don't you think?
2: I would say Jackson more than Smith, which is a shame because I was high on Smith.
0: I know. I, I think a lot of people were.
2: But you just drafted Walker. I mean, you got to give Walker minutes. Like... So that's where you're in a bit of a jumble. There,
0: yeah. I Jackson, I, I I still think I'm a big believer in Jackson, but but this is gonna have to be the you got to show me year right. If he's you had would, plenty of chances,
2: yeah, I, yeah. This is year three. This is critical for him. If you were to tell Indiana basketball fans last night that Trace Jackson Davis would be passed on by the Pacers, I would say at three different points of the draft, you would have told them that Trace Jackson Davis gets taken with the second to last pick of the draft. They would have been, I think, pretty upset or disappointed by that. But Jake, I think him in Golden State is about as
0: perfect of a fit as he could have actually. Totally. Because by the time it got to about pick 55, you know, I'm looking at it and I'm going, oh my gosh, there's only like. There's only five yeah, picks left. I mean, left hell, he
2: was tweeting like he was going undrafted.
0: And, yeah. You're and all going to regret it. And I think that you got to a point where you thought to yourself, he is better off now not getting drafted so that he can select where he goes and go to the best fit. And if that were the case, Kevin, Golden State is probably one of them that you would have said would be the best fit, right?
2: No one on their roster over 6'9". One of their guys that is six nine is Jamichael Green. He's thirty three years old. Uh, when you talk about teams like Golden State or in Jalen Hutchefino's case going to the Lakers at seventeen, those are teams that have to have rookies on their roster, just purely financially. Correct. Yeah, like yeah. they cannot afford. To you know, have their ninth, tenth, eleventh guys making notable amounts of money. So you walk into great situations there. Plus, they also both of those teams you would consider them win now. Like Golden State, they aren't going to just fart around with a bunch of you know nineteen-year-olds to try and grow and develop. They're looking, especially with the Chris Paul move, they are in a win now move. And you would think Trace kind of fits some of that. Maybe not as a. You know, seventh, eighth guy, but you know, could it be a ninth or a tenth guy for that second unit? If you look at their roster, Mike Dunleavy, their GM, said it last night. We've got room for him on our 15-man roster, and for the majority of second-round picks, probably both the Pacers' second-round picks, two-way contracts is what your rookie year usually looks like.
0: By the way, which player was it last night? We were talking about the some of the awkward interviews. I can't remember which player it was. Where. He's sitting there with his mom, and they say like, "Oh, and you know, Cindy or whatever the mom's name was." Like, what a tremendous story! Like, as a single mother that raised him, like, how proud are you of everything he overcame? And she's like, "Oh, it's great." And she's like, "That's wonderful." Very generic mom name. By and the way, and then she what? says, "Well," and then she's, and then the interviewer says, "Now let's bring his dad in." <laughs> and they interview his dad. I'm like, "Wait a minute!" I, like that guy had to have been like, "Wait a minute." <laughs> like i'm i'm here guys i like I, you know what i mean did you have the wrong note maybe card they, for that just
3: in that moment she was a single mom because <laughs> her father wasn't on camera literally it was like well thank you
0: so much for telling this story about your trials as a single mother now let's talk to the dad
2: i i, I did get <laughs> like, nervous for her i'm like boy those note cards better be double triple checked you know because you're addressing the parents by name you're, you're you're trying to pull out like that little anecdote from their childhood and it's like,
0: oh, wait, oh that was the Grady Dink card. Excuse me, Jalen McEffino. <laughs> and, let's, let's and you're go your so right, though, Kevin, about the one where it's like, now why did you hug all your siblings? Uh, wh- what I, I, are we doing? Well, like, <laughs> I mean, because they're my family members? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, Have you ever seen the green room? They hug everybody. They boy. hug the water guy and, that goes around th- and fills th- up water. I don't remember, like, I don't recall it being this... Like in years past, and it's totally cool. Don't get me wrong, but in years past, I don't remember the the length of time of like. Usually, they stand up and they hug like the two people at the table, and then like their coach is standing right there, and they go right up to the stairs. This year, it was like they literally went around, and you're right, hugged everyone. The guy that the guy that escorts them to the to the hats was getting hugged, and then the hats are sitting there, and I guess they say like. You just put on the hat on top, right?
2: Because they were kind of stacked. Did you notice that? Gosh, there are times I thought Jairus Walker's hat would fall off with all that hair he's got.
0: Do you you trade – if you and I – if you are – and I forget, is it – koulibaly is that how you say it that sounds great if that's you and i'm Jarris walker and we know and so you put on the pacer hat and i put on the wizard's hat no i make the nba give me another hat (laughs) and then they they come to me and they say you've just been traded do you just swap the hats no
2: i say i i want my if i am walker i want my wizard's hat you know
0: that the cincinnati bengals i think it was joe burrow that said this That when the Cincinnati Bengals drafted, I believe it was Joe Burrow, and he goes up there and they they give him the hat and he puts the hat on and then takes the photo, he got his first paycheck and in the paycheck it had itemized expenses and the cost of the hat and the jersey were taken out of his his paycheck. No He's wonder, like, what is? This? No wonder that
2: indoor facility didn't get built till like last year. For the what bangles. is this
0: twenty nine dollars surcharge to fan side? Oh, will fully, that's the hat we gave you.
2: I will fully admit my Victor Webin experience of him off the floor has been like in that interview last night. The Brian Windhorse 92nd or maybe one other. I really like Webin off the floor.
0: Oh, undoubtedly.
2: Like I. I he is going to check that box for me at least early on, and I think as a brand, I think as you know, just the face of a franchise, all of that. Um, yeah. He, and who
0: was it who said? I, I can't remember who said he will play in front of a sold-out crowd his entire yeah, career.
2: Kevin Kevin Pritchard said that the night after the lottery. Yeah, he will never play in a non-sold-out venue. Yeah. I mean, he. Now our Pacers our Pacers ticket. Office people bummed that Jalen hood Hutchefino and Trace Jackson Davis both to the Western Conference.
0: Boy, that's a good that's a good point there. Good point there. Miss out on an
2: additional home game. I,
0: is there any? If you're Jalen Hutchefino and you thought you were going to go 13th to Toronto, are you disappointed to slide four spots when you find out you're going to play for the Lakers? Is there any like? All you have to do is go one time to Huntington Beach, California, and you're like, okay, yeah, where do I sign up here?
2: Well, plus two, I think it's like a nice early transition of the NBA life where you matter, but you don't matter as much as, you know, if you would have sent to some bottom feeder. But then there's got to be a passing of the torch soon with the Lakers, and Yo, you would yeah. think he would be a part of it. Yeah, I feel like You would think he would be a part of that uh, kind of new young core. All right, Chad Buchanan, Pacers GM in twenty. Uh, Before we get to a freebie Friday pop quiz, 317 239 1070 for that. Let's go with the morning checkdown. Let's
0: play those Carlisle. Actually, before we get to the draft itself and how it affected the Pacers, a couple of notes from the association from last night. Notably, the Bulls are announcing that they are expecting Lonzo Ball with another knee surgery to miss the entire season once again meanwhile Kawhi Leonard says his knees 100% he will be ready to go by training camp so no issues there Um, and Jay Billis after the draft said that the guy that the Pacers selected Jarris Walker is the guy as a rookie that he thinks might have been the biggest impact player that was selected last night not named obviously Victor Webinyama
2: speaking of the Pacers draft picks last night Rick Carlisle did meet the media let's start with Carlisle's thoughts on Jarris Walker at number eight overall
1: you know, in a league where defensive versatility, the ability to switch and contain is so important, you know, we believe he can do that. And then, you know, offensively, he just... There's a chance here that, that he could really evolve into a, a special kind of four man in this league. <clears throat> a guy that can rebound it and take it coast to coast and make plays and finish at the rim and, you know, do all that stuff. So I think when our fans... Start to watch him; They'll see the possibilities.
2: And then later on at number 26 overall, it was Ben Shepard, the guard out of Belmont. Rick Carlisle uh, enjoyed the process of Ben Shepard kind of rising up the draft boards. Here was Carlisle on the shooter from Belmont.
1: He played great on both ends. He's got a high skill level. You know, he's had a he's had a pretty consistent rise in the draft starting with the combine where he played extremely well. So, you know, he's a... Six-five wing player. Yeah, he just moves. He shoots it, passes it, dribbles it, defends, goes hard. Shepard,
0: by the way, four-year player out of Belmont and out of the MoVal I like because I think it's just a really well-coached league. 41% three-point shooter in his last year at Belmont.
2: Speaking of, I guess, the MoVal, Omaha, the site of the College World Series and last night it was a pretty epic performance on the mound. A great pitcher's duel as expected between Wake Forest and LSU, but in the 11th, as both teams went into their bullpens, it was Tommy Tanks. No better name for a home run masher than Tommy Tanks and he hit one over the left field wall to send LSU LSU to the College World Series Championship Series, which is a best of three that will begin tomorrow. That'll be Saturday and Sunday, potentially Monday. Best of three with the Florida Gators. Uh, With the loss last night, Wake Forest had two chances to get to the Championship Series. They lost both of them. So we'll get Brian Kelly's family against Florida for the College World Series. When he
0: hit that home run, Wake Forest added a little letter T right in the middle of their hat. That was the reaction, just so you know, in case you're. All Hi, my name's Alfred DeLeo. At home, they call me Big Al, and I hit dangers. <laughs> Tommy is, Tanks' cousin? Mark? That's right, his little brother. Mm-hmm. On there? Yeah. yeah. Uh, last night, Major League Baseball, Diamondbacks over the Nationals, 5 3. It was the Athletics beaten by the Guardians, 6 1 in our race for PBR. Marlins over the Pirates, 6 4. And again, Reds and Braves this weekend, uh, I am told, sold out at Great American Ballpark.
2: Fever beat Seattle last night to start their four game road trip. Pop Quiz time. Give us a call. 317-239-1070 on this Freebie Friday. Alright, it's Pop Quiz time on this Freebie Friday. A combo effort from the Substitute Teachers to round out the week before Scotty returns with the Pop Quizzes from Hell starting on monday 1924 fort wayne piston warren Spahn's second cousin
3: (laughs) uh, played for the in pre-world war Mm one this happened
2: um jake number one through eight on this freebie friday
0: uh
3: the pacers were supposed to
0: pick seven but they ended up picking well they they picked seven but you get what i'm saying here right uh they ended up getting the guy that went eight so we'll go with eight
3: mark eight is matt matt How's it going, gentlemen?
2: Matt, how's it going with you, man? Good, good. Matt, what's on the weekend agenda?
4: Um, got a graduation party tomorrow to put on, so good little busy. Oh, who graduated? Congrats, uh, my son. And nice. your your
0: son uh, your son's name is uh, Zane. Zane, you oh, said.
2: Oh, this Zane. Uh, this is Matt uh, Ben Davis, Matt. Right. Yes. Yeah. What's up,
0: Matt? Congrats on uh, Zane and Ball State. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, your son is playing uh, basketball at Ball State, right? You're going to go play for Michael Lewis? Yep. Yeah. Very cool. Hell
2: of a state final performance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, it was.
2: Well, Matt, we're going to give a little combo effort of this pop quiz. Shabby Cannon's going to join us in a few. Uh, appreciate you calling. Good luck with the party. Uh, plenty of, you know, what, what do you think? Uh, pigs in a blanket, maybe?
0: Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah. chick fil nuggets.
2: Foods. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it would be perfect for that. Uh, Mark, you want to lead us off?
3: Sure. I'll lead you off. Sure. Why not? All right. Where'd it go? Okay. We're coming up on the 20th anniversary of the 20 2003 NBA draft, which famously had LeBron James go number one overall to the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Pacers did not have a first round pick that year. Who was the Pacers lone draft pick with the 49th overall pick in 2003? Was it Fred Jones, James Jones, Jamison Brewer, or David Harrison? uh 2003 um this
0: guy's a gm right now in the league he is. it sounded like this matt oh james jones oh nice i didn't have Look to that. do my impersonation
3: should i slide
0: in there for number sure, two
2: ahead. uh okay J- uh james okay matt uh ben shepherd 26 overall by the pacers where did he play collegiately
4: murray state uh, belmont
0: Hey, Matt's here. All right, Matt. Question three. I'm valedictorian for this party. There were party. five schools, five schools that saw two players selected in the first round last night. Can you name, should we go with one or two of them, guys? Let's go two. Let's Can you name two Matt. of the five schools, Matt, that saw two players selected in the first round last night?
4: Oh, no, Michigan for sure. Yep. Huh? Um,
3: i believe Bama was another one. Okay. Bama? Okay. Mark, you want to go with four? Sure. We have a race for PBR for the best record of MLB teams projected to finish under five hundred. Jake has the Baltimore Orioles. Kevin has the Oakland Athletics. Mm-hmm. And yep. I have the Arizona Diamondbacks. Of those three, which team has made the postseason most recently? The Orioles, the Athletics, the Diamondbacks are all three made the playoffs in 2021.
4: Oh, um... A week play. I'm going to go with the Orioles.
2: All right, Matt. To round it out, 26 years ago this week, the first WNBA game was played. Name one of the two teams that played in the first ever game in the WNBA.
0: I'm guessing on this game, kevin is this right
2: uh it's correct that is one of the two yep say it say it again matt it's gotta be a liberty
4: good new york in there
2: that. great minds think like jake man that is a smart fella here all right matt good work it's freebie friday so certainly hang on the line james jones was correct that off. is correct belmont for ben shepherd yeah uh, uh, correcto jake a little slip up on yours is that correct
0: no, he was right. Actually, Alabama has two. Bama did have two. Alabama, Arkansas, Duke, Michigan, and Houston—the five.
2: Oh, there's five of them. For some reason, I thought there was only four.
0: I, I missed one
3: earlier. Slip uh, up came on. on okay, my slip up was on March. Yep, it was. Uh, he said the Orioles. The Orioles last made the playoffs in 2016. The Diamondbacks last made the playoffs in 2017. It was Kevin's Oakland uh-huh, Athletics my baby. that made it in the COVID year of 2020. You blew it. Congrats, Matt. You know, the cool thing for Matt's son,
0: going from Ben Davis to play basketball at Ball State, I think Ball State's got the most underrated basketball arena in the state. Worthen? Yeah, I think it's a great arena.
2: Nice first year for Michael Lewis. Uh, Zane was committed to Valpo, and then they had their coaching change. Roger Powell, former Illinois forward, now the head coach of Valpo. A great tournament run for Ben Davis, of course, and a great 4A state title game for Zane Dowdy. And now he is off to play uh, for Michael Lewis and the Chirp Trippers. A lot of Indiana flavor on that team for Ball State.
0: You know, one of the interesting things last night, Kevin, a lot of people, somebody asked me, they're like, so Zach Eady's going back to college. When was the last time the, the Wooden Award winner actually went back to college? Oh, oh and the answer to that was the year before.
2: And he went undrafted, right? And
0: he went undrafted this year, yeah.
2: Uh, drew Timmy undrafted as well?
0: Okay. Boy, I forgot about Drew Timmy.
2: Drew Timmy to the Bucks Summer League.
0: He looks like he'd live in Minnesota, doesn't he? Or I mean not Minnesota, Wisconsin, doesn't he?
2: Um, I did uh, we'll get a little bit more into a summer league roster maybe coming up on next week, but um, it look like the Pacers have got a five nine guard, Darius McGee from Liberty. I know a lot of people um giving high praise for him for scoring at a big time level. Great shooter at Liberty, but obviously five nine, hundred and fifty pounds doesn't do a whole lot for you. But certainly we've seen five nine guys make it in the NBA. We'll see if he can find a spot with the Pacers. Speaking of that, Chad Buchanan, the team's general manager, he joins us to round out the show. Kevin Aquary on a Friday.
1: These are the kinds of uh, guys that we want to we want to build this roster and this organization with. So, you know, we're really thrilled with the first round. Rick
2: Carlisle last night. As the Pacers had four draft picks, we'll chat with Chad Buchanan here and a few of the GM of the Pacers more about that quartet. I think a lot of Pacers fans were initially caught off guard, Jake, when they took Bilal, and again, I'll try my best at pronouncing it, Kulabai, Kulabee, something like that. Uh, Initially, with that seventh pick, they traded the one spot with Washington, got a couple second rounders, and saved a little bit of money and ended up taking Jairus Walker. Uh, or I should say drafting uh, Jairus Walker. Anyways, um, do you have a favorite Pacers career? Is it Bilal Kulabai? Is it DeAndre Ayton? Is it Serge Ibaka? Eric Piotrowski.
0: Ricky Rubio. Eric Piotrowski. Oh, no, wait, Danny Ferry. It's got to be Kawhi Leonard, right? Kawhi, Kawhi, yeah. Danny Ferry's up there, though. I'm telling you.
2: I think Rick Carlisle had a. Uh, it was fun while it lasted. To sum up Tristan Thompson's
0: <laughs> career, that, that was a good one, actually. Now he actually played, and he played well for a game, right? He like had a he nice played, game. and was it was good. Speaking of that, somebody just texted me this, and, and I'm going to throw this out there. And people, you can text me your answer on this. People have my cell phone number by now. Uh, somebody just sent me a, a message that said, "Hey, where's a good place to play pickup basketball in Indy now?" My gym, Lifetime Fitness, it was great for pickup ball, but it's now pickle ball. They took out the basketball courts. So I don't know. Ben Davis used to be fabulous for pickup basketball. Wasn't the JCC always a pretty good run? That's probably a good place, too. Um, I mean, that's So I don't know. Somebody let me know. I'm, I'm retired. I, about five years ago. I believe Stevenson's
2: ago, played at the downtown Y a time or two, if you're looking for something right off Delaware.
0: That's right there in the, the Anthony, right?
2: YMCA. Oh, okay, yeah, that yeah. one. I am YMC. Oh, yeah, Nips.
0: Yeah. Nips is pretty good, right? Good call there. I don't know if Nips still has pickup
3: ball. After um, you play a game, though, you know what you're going to say. Well, it was uh, it was fun while it lasted. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh huh.
2: That's a good way to describe it. It's beautiful. The right? Tristan Thompson era yep, on, right. that. on that end. Uh, again, Chad Buchanan from the Pacers going to join us here. In a few we should have Jairus Walker's high school coach. Played IMG Academy. Um, he is scheduled to join us looking ahead to Monday's show.
0: Uh, joining us now on the Payless Diggers Hotline, and I'm guessing he got up five minutes ago because it was a late night, I'm sure, for Chad Buchanan, the general manager of the Indiana Pacers. And Chad, I realize that right off the box you're going to say that you guys got everybody you wanted. Um, and I say that both probably seriously and flippantly at the same time, as odd as that sounds. But uh, just overall kind of your assessment, did it turn out to be a more frantic night than you anticipated?
4: Well, first of all, I don't think it was five minutes ago. Who says I've gone to sleep yet? (laughs) Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, But no, a very successful night, I think, for us. I think every team wakes up the day after the draft and feels good about their picks. And, you know, we got a couple guys that we really, really had targeted and liked going in. Um, you know our board i think you know the top 10 guys probably went about in the order we expected and we had a couple guys we were very comfortable with drafting depending on who went before us and um, Jarris was a guy that we've liked all season long both from a positional need the talent level uh, the character you know standpoint there's just a lot of boxes that he checked that you know made him a, a big priority for us and you know ben shepard is another player that you know, came in and really impressed us in the workout. It was great at the combine. Um, a guy we tracked for the last two years that has really grown on us, too. So, um, in the second round, you know, Mojave and Isaiah, you know, second round is such a crapshoot, but uh, excited to see what those guys could turn into as well. So, you know, we felt it was a very successful night for us.
0: Okay. In quick fashion, before we get to the kind of the nuances of the players, uh, I'm curious, with the the trade that took place, I think we now know what took place with Washington. I mean, San Antonio apparently calls and says, look, we have interest in this at 7, so you go to Washington and you say, we're getting... I guess my question would be this, Chad. How did you know that Washington had interest in the player that you selected for them at 7, and... Why not just swap the picks in advance and have Washington make the seventh pick? Is that a time issue?
4: Yeah, some of it's a time issue. Some of it didn't play out exactly how you mentioned there either. Um, You know, when you have multiple teams chasing a player uh, that maybe is a player that you're not targeting, um, it puts you in a position to try to, you know, move down a little bit and, you know, pick up an asset or two that can help you, you know, in the long run. Um and a lot of this stuff happens right on the clock. I mean, it's it happens fast, and like I said, a lot of teams coming after something at, at the same time, you know, at the very, very last moment, you know, because you to have to make a decision, and we were comfortable moving back for, a, you know, a small, like I said, a small assets coming to us and still getting the guy we had targeted. So uh, it was a very easy decision for us.
2: Chad Buchanan's with us here, the Pacers general manager. But, Chad, before we get to Jarris Walker, uh, how close were you guys, if at all, of trading number 7 for a veteran or trading up in the draft?
4: You know, we didn't have as many options as we had hoped um, for a veteran that we had targeted. Uh, we tried very, very, very hard to do that. We had a, a group of players around the league that we felt would be a great fit with our young core that played a position of need that we went after as as aggressive as we possibly can without sacrificing you know, our complete future. Um, but unfortunately those players were not available. And so, um, you know, we tried on that front, but then today we were, we were very comfortable with a couple of guys staying at pick seven and adding another young player to our core to try to build with
2: obviously Jarris Walker was the selection you don't play for Kelvin Sampson if you can't guard on that end of the floor what is it about his physical makeup his IQ defensively that is so attractive and addressing obviously a major area of need
4: for you guys sure you, as you guys watched our team all year last year we, we had a lot of offensive talent and we were very poor on the defensive side so that was a a big emphasis for us and will continue to be as we add to this team is guys that can come in and, and improve us on the defensive side. I mean, and Jairus does that. You know, Jairus has a lot of versatility to his game. He's a guy who played point guard for a little bit of time in high school. And he's got a great feel for the game, which Coach Carlisle and our staff really value. A feel for the game, ability to play in a flow offense, to make quick decisions with the ball. Um, very unselfish, um, you know, just a good fit for us in a lot of ways. But mostly we're excited about his potential to defend, you know, defending that position, the six seven, the 6'8", six, 6'9", six, scoring hybrids is a, you know, it's a challenge in our league. And we, you know, Aaron Neesmith did a, as good a job as he can with that. He's a little undersized against some of those guys where Jarris has a little more, you know, size uh, and physicality to throw at some of these, you know, Jason Tatums and Giannis's of the world. Uh, but that—that's where we felt like he was a good fit for us, specifically as a defender.
0: Chad, obviously, I realize that if you know if something comes along that's going to make your team better, you're going to make a move. I get that. But in terms of moves precipitated by Indiana, by the Pacers, are you guys done for now, or are there still some auxiliary moves that can be made?
4: Uh, I, I wouldn't say we're done, you know, for right now. We're going to continue to explore what's out there. I mean, we have one roster spot right now still. Um, you know, there were other minor trade opportunities that we did not pursue that you are know, probably still there if we would like to. We wanted to see how our, our draft night played out. But we still have, you know, on our roster, we're happy with the young core. But, you know, I think we got to look at maybe adding one, one more player to a certain role, and we'll, we'll look at that. You know, we've got, still got cap room left. Um, like I said, we have the roster spot available. We have a two-way uh, contract available. A couple of those, so we still have tools to use, and we got you know some time here to look into those.
0: How heavily did you explore Trace Jackson Davis at fifty-five?
4: I mean, we love Trace Jackson Davis as a player, and you know sometimes it's got to be a mutual interest. Um, you know, you don't want to have a player with you that is you know not coming in wanting to be there. And so, you know, Trace is going to be a terrific player. And um, like I said, we were big fans. Obviously, our roster and what he is, the position he plays, wasn't a great fit. And we understood that. And, you know, his representatives understood that. But, um, you know, if, if we had been in a situation where we didn't have four players at his position, um, you know, I think Trace would have been a great option for us. And like I said, we were big fans of his game.
0: So then was their discussion... I would assume from that, from Trace Jackson Davis or his camp, that he would have been happier going elsewhere and that he didn't feel Indiana was a fit for him. I think
4: that's accurate to say. Which, Interesting.
2: I mean, given the roster makeup, I sure. mean, it, it makes it makes total sense. And why we've said throughout the show, Golden State on paper, much better fit than where things are with Indiana. Chad Buchanan with us, the Pacers GM. Uh, Chad, let, let's chat a little bit more about Ben Shepard. I know the shooting and the scoring ability at Belmont stands out. I was saying to Jake earlier, I feel like when I hear of good mid-major shooters, I think the stereotype is they can't guard anybody. But it seems like, you know, defense is not a liability by any means with him.
4: No, I think Ben is a is a two way player. He's the thing that stands about out about Ben. This seems like something very minor. Um, is he is a in phenomenal shape and he's in constant motion on both sides of the both sides of the floor. He's offensively, he is can just running off screens. He's sprinting the lanes. He's curling off picks. He's, he's pushing the ball in transition off defensive rebounds. He's just his motor just is, it never stops. Um, and then that carries over on the defensive side, too. just a guy with a, with a great effort level, a great care factor, uh, tremendous character. I think the fans and the media are going to love Ben Shepard. Um, we, we just really grew to like him in the pre-draft process. And uh, the shooting component, obviously, is something that we value in Rick's system, and he brings a lot of that as well. So there's a lot to like about Ben.
0: Chad, one of the things that jumped out at me last night, Chad Buchanan's our guest, the GM of the Indiana Pacers. He's on the Payless Lakers hotline. One of the things that jumped out at me last night, of, of all the players that were selected, was I. I it struck me how incredibly mature, humble, and, and just really impressive the vast majority of these young men were. And I'm curious, are we starting to now see – Uh, and there's a lot about this I don't like, quite frankly, but is part of that the byproduct of the fact that now you are getting players that have been in the limelight and under a spotlight since the age of 14, 15 years old and thus have a better understanding of all of the expectation that comes with being selected in the NBA?
4: That's a great question, Jake. You know, I think there is some accuracy to what you're saying. These these guys that come into the league, they're, it's very rare that we interview a guy at the draft or when they come through our, our building that we're not, like, a really sharp, you know, bright, articulate young man. And, they're obviously, they're well-prepared these days by their, their representation and their families. And they know the importance of making a good, you know, representation of themselves when they meet with NBA teams. And I think last night's a great example. You see all these kids, I mean, they're living out their dream in front of the world on TV and... How they carry themselves and answer questions and handle the situation is, I feel like every year is, it just gets more and more impressive. And, and I think every year we find less and less players in this draft that are red flags from a, you know, character standpoint. And you know, I think that's a representation of what you're saying of just their amount of time they spend around each other and in the limelight. I think that's very accurate, Jake.
2: Okay, Chad Buchanan with us here, Pacers general manager. Obviously, a quick turnaround now to free agency here in about a week. Chad, if you had to kind of lay out needs as you guys enter free agency and certainly the ability to still execute some trades, what would that needs list look like?
4: I think it's balancing our roster right now. I mean, we still have four centers. Um, you know, we have a couple guys at the power forward spot that, you know, young guys between, you know, Jairus, Aaron Neesmith, Jordan Nwora can all play the four. I mean, maybe another wing forward, you know, if, if we balance out our roster would, would help. Maybe another point guard. I mean, we're going to look at all, all those kind of things here in the next couple weeks uh, with trades and free agency.
0: Chad, how important was it? You had so many assets going into the draft in terms of, and I'm talking about before even the trade with Denver. Was there a concerted effort, as crazy as it sounds, to alleviate yourself of the number of picks you had in this draft to give that flexibility, not only of roster, but of cap room as well?
4: Yeah, I think it was more so when you go into a draft of five picks and you have three roster spots, you, know, you obviously got to be aggressive to try to to manage that component. Um, you know, you have the two ways as an option. You know, we're trying to maintain as much ammunition uh, for when the, the right player comes along via trade. So, you know, the trade we made with, with Denver and accumulating another pick in next year's draft is kind of kicking the can down the curve a little bit where if next trade deadline or, or this summer or even next draft, if, you know, having that extra first is what gets you over the hump to get a player that you have targeted, um, that's always a good thing to do from a business standpoint. And, you know, last night we moved around quite a bit. We moved, you know, a, couple picks out we moved moved down a little bit so we were trying to juggle as much as we could so at the end of the night we could come away with you know some ammunition for for this summer and then the next year and that's what the future of I think has a lot of value for us and for teams around the league so we feel good about that um, and just being in, being in position to make a go-for-it move uh, when that opportunity presents itself is important for
0: us chad i had mentioned this earlier in the mid-90s there was this like art fad called magic eye i don't know if you remember these but like they were the the pictures that were computer generated and you had to stare at them for like five minutes and then eventually like a 3d image came into form and you're like oh my gosh i see it now does does that ring a bell to you okay yeah sure sure does that feel like the assembly you guys have done with this roster because a year ago it I I think even by your guys own admission you were still kind of waiting to see when the picture was going to form and it seems to me like the picture has formed even faster than you anticipated and the vision of where the Indiana Pacers are and can go is clearer faster than perhaps you even thought am I off base
4: Uh, possibly so. I think, you know, Ty obviously changes everything for us. Finding the right pieces around him um, is important, but also not being in a rush to jump up to, you know, being the eighth seed and being stuck in the seventh and eighth seed range. You know, we're, I think the hardest thing in the NBA is resisting the urge to be like five games better and limiting yourself, you know, two, three, four years down the road. So being patient, I mean, we just saw the Denver Nuggets, be patient with their core and slowly build around it and culminate in a championship. And I think that is what we're trying to do. Um, there's always going to be temptations along the way and um, you want to be good and continue to grow. That is our goal, but you want to do it the right way. So we feel good about this young four. Um, we know we still have a lot of work to do. We're not anywhere near where we need to be or want to be, but um, I think last night was a good, good step forward for us and Um, I think Jairus will be a a great fit for us. Chad, last
2: one from me. Um, Was there any thought when a guy like Cam Whitmore starts to slide to try and trade up?
4: I can assure you we tried as hard as we possibly could on that one. And that was a, we called basically from about pick 10 down until his name came off the board. It was a frantic room um, trying to be aggressive to move up uh, into that range and Unfortunately, it takes two teams to, to tango on that one. And, um, you know, most of the teams had their guy and did not want to move. And, um, we were very aggressive. That's why we had these, these extra picks. Um, to do things like that. And, you know. Unfortunately, your aggressiveness doesn't always match up the other team's willingness to do something. So, but we were very aggressive trying to move up last night.
0: Okay, last one for me, Chad. And we only got like 45 seconds left, unfortunately. But um, when you look at your roster, the position where you still need some more competition amongst your roster would be which position where you need more depth?
4: I would probably say the 3-4 spot. I think would be where, if I see, maybe where a a hole might be good to place another player. Um, You know, obviously it's not the center spot. You know, another another role that we really really like is having a veteran mentor with a young group in our locker room. James Johnson was that last year and was a was a had a good impact on our young group. So I think those are the two spots that if I see probably a need, that would be where we'd look to address.
2: Chad, I always enjoy our conversations. It's terrific insight no matter what we throw at you. Uh, enjoyed the golf outing experience last summer with you. Hopefully we can do that again here in a few months. And uh, good luck with all the chaos that will certainly continue next week as well.
4: Thank you. Hey, and I'd be remiss if I didn't thank our staff. It takes a, it takes a village to, to run a draft. Ryan Carr, all of our scouts, uh, Sonny Cuttinger, Susie Fisher, all the people on our admin staff, are just, uh, they deserve a big shout-out. They don't get the credit for what goes into an NBA draft. So I just wanted to give them a, a big shout out and thank you. But I appreciate you guys. See you, Chad. All right.
2: That's Chad Buchanan right there. Pacers GM, outstanding on a variety of questions thrown at him. Like I said, Jake, I always enjoy Chad's candor.
0: Really good stuff. I trace Jackson Davis quote. We got to tweet that, that out one. so you can listen to we'll it again.
2: Can't more action. We'll talk to you Monday. See you.